Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk so very pretty on talk radio 1210 I sang this little ditty on our way through Ocean City Heading south <laughs> along the Jersey Shore On the way to Cape May I fell in love with you On the way to Cape May I saw my dreams come true I was taken by your smile As we drifted by sea Oh, yes, we are live in K-May at the Grand Hotel of K-May, New Jersey. Hello! Yes! Save the East Coast, absolutely. This is me, Rich, with you today, live from 3 to 7, of course, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli and 855-839-1210. Ready to have a wonderful crowd here today at the Grand Hotel. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Yeah, so if you're coming down... Come on down and uh, come see us, okay? Because we'd love to see you. I have some friends who are on their way down, and apparently they just broke down. So I'm trying to figure out if my wife is with them or not. And so uh, I, I guess, uh, they, let's see, the, let's see the, the others broke down. Let me just help them. Let me just coordinate this for AAA real fast. You know how men have to take care of this for women. I'm just kidding. Stop. Uh, <clears throat> so... We have a lot to chat about today. We also have uh, some, some very sad news out of Philadelphia, of course. We have a, a fallen police officer, a, t- a terrible shooting last night. You know, it, it's such a damn shame. The city, we were so excited after the Phillies won, and there was such a great spirit. Everybody was excited. Everybody was happy. And then this uh, terrible tragedy that occurred. Uh, so uh, you know, I'll give you details about it. Obviously, it's, it, it's heartbreaking. These are airport cops. I knew these guys. Um, one of them is fighting for his life right now, uh, and the other has passed away. Uh, very sad. And, of course, the idiot district attorney of Philadelphia blames the NRA. Oh. Blames the NRA for the shooting of a 22-year veteran of the Philadelphia Police Department, shot and killed at the Terminal D parking garage. He was off duty. He heard somebody breaking into a car. He was about to begin his work shift at the airport, 
and um, he and the other officer were uh, were shot. And it's it's it, it, for then for Larry Krasner to come out and suggest that the the problem in this country is the National Rifle Association, as if any of these 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 thugs, these cop killers, if any of them were members of the NRA. Right. I mean, you know, this is what he said today, and I'll read you his statement. He said, gun crazy politicians serve the NRA's bloody agenda instead of serving and protecting the public. America has more guns than people thanks to the same gun crazy politicians who oppose common sense gun regulations. So, again, it's not the criminals who are the problem. It's law abiding citizens who own guns, who didn't shoot cops last night. They're the problems. I mean, this is this is why Philadelphia is in the grips right now of just being absolutely a, a, a complete and utter hellhole. Uh, we'll talk to our buddy John McNesby later, the president of FOP Lodge five. This is a very tough day. I, I, you know, for every every cop in Philadelphia, every cop in the country feels it when one of their brothers and sisters is uh, falls and the families are affected. And, and thank God the other officer who is fighting for his life is expected to make it. There's still going to be. A lot that goes on after that, as as we know, you know, a lot of recovery and therapy and bills that pile up. And that's why, you know, we support all these wonderful organizations like the Families Behind the Bad Children's Foundation, the FOP Lodge 5 Survivors Fund. We do all these things because these cops and these families, when this happens, they need the support to start immediately. Uh, so I'll give you more details on this as the show goes on. It's a devastating, devastating situation. And um, as a son of a cop, I and, and knowing these cops very, very well, I've gotten to know them quite well over the years in Philadelphia. It, it's th- these are some of the finest officers in the country. They were responding to thugs trying to steal a car, which, ironically enough, the, they wouldn't have even been prosecuted for it in this city. You know, that's the irony of this whole thing: is that had they got the guys. They, they wouldn't have even been prosecuted because Larry Krasner doesn't prosecute things like carjacks, carjacking anymore. It doesn't happen. One or more of the shooters had fled from the shooting scene at the airport. And as of right now, the latest that I know is that he remains at large. Now, if that situation changes, we will we will hear this. We will we will learn more about it. Um, John McNesby said today, he said, I saw more tears last night than I've ever seen in all my years here, he said. Uh, the fallen officer and his injured partner, who have yet to be publicly identified, were about to begin their shift at the airport. They witnessed the attempted car theft and tried to intervene. A 22-year veteran of the force, and he had spent much of his career in the 25th District in North Philly. McNesby said the department's airport patrol is uh, often described by some people as a retirement detail for officers who have put in years in some of the city's most violent districts like the 25th in North Philadelphia. He said that it's a place where you're supposed to be winding down your career. There's a $30,000 reward for any information that leads to the arrest of the shooter. The reward, the reward would come on top of the city's 20000 that the city offers for information leading to the arrest and conviction. He emphasized the union would pay out upon arrest, and he took a jab at Larry Krasner. He said, you bring him in today, you're paid today. McNesby said regarding the, you know, you bring the information in today and, and we'll uh, we'll take care of it. So uh, please keep them in your in your prayers. Please keep them in your thoughts. I, I, I what can we say? You know, the mayor comes out and says stupid things. We know that Jim Kenney doesn't have the, the backs of the cops. Uh, the district attorney comes out and, and blames the NRA. The only people at this point that uh, 
that really should be speaking on behalf of the cops or other cops because the mayor and the district attorney have turned their backs on the cops. And even worse, I think they've made them the enemies in the city. They've made them the bad guys. So much so that a lot of a lot of cops are afraid to even do their job, knowing that if something goes wrong, the city won't have their back. In fact, the city will target them like they did to Officer Mark Deal, who, of course, as you know, uh, was uh, was found uh, by a judge that the charges were dismissed. Dial, excuse me, and the charges were dismissed. And then what happened, of course, the, the the rioting, the looting that occurred in Philadelphia afterward because the mayor and the district attorney threw gasoline on that fire and blew it up. And, and the people that then went out and looted and ransacked businesses in Philadelphia and committed all this violence, the district attorney described them as mostly law-abiding citizens. <laughs> really, and we'll have to separate the, the criminals from the mostly law-abiding citizens. That's what... The district attorney said in the wake of all that, this is a very tough time to be a police officer in this country. We've had several police officers fall in the uh, the line of duty in the last year. We've had officers who were wounded in gunfire recently. It's been very, very tough. It's a very tough time. Thank God that we have a commissioner right now, the interim commissioner, John Stanford. Now, I don't know him personally, but from what I've heard from the cops who are on the job, he's a cop's cop, which is what you want. You want a guy who's going to be the commissioner who's going to actually be a cop and not be a politician. The last commissioner, Daniel Outlaw, was a politician. Let's face it, she came from Portland, which is a city that's already on fire, a city that's already governed by woke lefty policies, and she came to Philadelphia to be a, to be a politician. And she's good, good riddance to Outlaw. There's not a single cop that will shed a tear for her going to the Port Authority to go make a lot of money over there in an administrative capacity. But officers shot year by year in 2023. So far, we've had 10, which in course includes a fatal shooting last night and the fatal shooting of Temple University Police Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cops shot in our city, a lot of them. So uh, I, I, can't, I can't stress enough how important it is uh, for everyone to, to give the police their support and their appreciation because the, the morale, I've never seen it so low before. The, the recruitment numbers are so low. I mean, who the hell would want to, to, to do that job right now? That's the problem is that you got a lot of very smart, young, talented, bright people. They would be great cops. They would, but why would they want to do the job? First of all, the starting pay is not that great. Then you got to know that every time you say goodbye to your family, it could be the last time you see your family. And then you got to walk into a political environment where the district attorney thinks you're the problem. The mayor refuses to have your back. And and then and uh, and the criminals in the city of Philadelphia think they can do whatever they want and get away with it. And they're not wrong, by the way. Criminals aren't wrong. They can do whatever the hell they want and get away with it in Philadelphia because they will not be prosecuted. They'll be arrested. They'll be charged. They won't be prosecuted. A few years ago, the Philadelphia Inquirer, to their credit, and it's rare that I say that, but I got to give them credit for that. They did an analysis of the number of prosecutions of illegal gun crimes and how they plummeted under Larry Krasner. And a big reason for that is, and I kid you not, he said, because it's racist to prosecute people for having illegal guns. So on the one hand, he screams about the NRA and law-abiding gun owners. And the second hand, he screams that going after people with illegal guns is racist. And his argument for why it's racist is because police have to stop people sometimes and they have to stop them because they might be in uh, doing something and disproportionately more people who are arrested with illegal guns tend to be black. And so therefore, it's it's racist. More people disproportionately are arrested with illegal guns who are black. Therefore, it's racist. Not that they disproportionately have more illegal guns. 
You got to follow the logic of this, right? This is the lefty logic you got to follow. It's not that it's not that they disproportionately have more illegal guns and are committing more crimes. It's that the cops are stopping more black people with illegal guns. And then the other thing, too, is that the district attorney will, will argue he'll turn around and say, but they haven't really committed a crime. They have an illegal gun, but they haven't really committed a crime. So even though common sense would dictate, well, then arrest them, send them away. You got all these laws on the books to prosecute people for having illegal firearms. Send them away. Prosecute them. Put them away. His argument is, well, they haven't really done anything yet. So let's wait for them. It's like throwing a fish back until it gets bigger. Let's wait for them to commit a real crime, and then maybe we'll go after them. Maybe. That's been the, the mentality of the district attorney of Philadelphia now for years. And they reelected this guy. And it's it's mind it's mind blowing. It really is. They reelected him despite the fact he had former mayor Ed Rendell, former mayor Michael Nutter, former district attorney Seth Williams all come out and say John Street. All these guys come out and say that Larry Krasner is the problem. He's a cancer on Philadelphia and he has to go. And yet they still reelected this guy. It's uh, you can't you can't make sense of this. And don't think for a second this is not because of George Soros, because it absolutely is. George Soros, everybody's familiar with that name, right? Now, let me tell you, ironically enough, the very same people that were screaming a few weeks ago or a few months ago that it was anti-Semitic to bring up George Soros. Do you remember that? Are the very same people cheering on Hamas today? So try to try to split that irony, if you can, for a moment. For, for a couple weeks and months, they were yelling that anytime you bring up George Soros, because he's Jewish, even though he helped the Nazis, that you're anti-Semitic somehow. But the very same people doing that are the same ones on college campuses today, cheering on Hamas and saying that Israel had it coming, and, 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 and they're cheering on what's going on over there. Because it was never about anti-Semitism or criticizing Soros. It was about criticizing Soros because of what he's doing to this country. And what he's doing to this country is very, very systematically thought out and planned out. And here's what it is. We can't change the country from the top. You can't change the the country from the president. You can't change it from Congress. you got to change it at the local level. If you want to recreate this country, you first have to tear it down. You have to set it on fire. He's a revolutionary. He's learned from revolutionaries throughout history, throughout the past, Karl Marx and Lenin and, and, and Pol Pot and all these other whack jobs. Che Guevara, who was a murderer, who, by the way, a lot of college kids put him on their, in their dorm rooms, you know, the ones with the hacky sacks, and they put Che Guevara posters in their dorm room. These murderous guys, Fidel Castro, Justin Trudeau's uh, father, um, allegedly. <laughs> I know Matt DeSantis is getting my bullhorn, so he's not here to say that, but allegedly his father... It's totally his father, by the way. Like, have you seen the pictures? Trudeau is definitely his bastard son. Anyway, uh, Fidel Castro, guys like that, that's what they do. They burn things down, and then they rebuild them in their Marxist utopian vision. And so George Soros years ago realized, this is how I got to do this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around and start, start paying to get all these district attorneys and prosecutors around the country elected at the local level. And they'll be soft on crime on purpose because a philosophy of Marxism is that criminals are victims of capitalism. And also because if you have cities burning down and if you have looting and theft, capitalism will take a big hit. As you're going to find out a little bit later in the show today, when you calculate the costs of retail theft and the looting and the rioting, it is in the billions of dollars. So if you really hate capitalism, you're going to also know that by allowing crime to, to, to flourish in these cities, you'll get dead cops and you'll take a big hit to capitalism. And cops are the oppressors, remember, in these people's minds.
So that's how their thinking was. And then they started getting elected in places throughout this country. And if you've noticed, every time you follow the George Soros money, you get a Larry Krasner, you get an Alvin Bragg, you get what happens in Chicago and San Francisco, and you get, you get this to occur. And they all have the same mindset and the same mentality. Criminals are the victims. This is not an accident. It's the same thing that's going on at the southern border. It's not an accident. It's deliberate. If you can have this country be invaded by people who will come to this country and destroy the culture because they refuse to assimilate into the culture and they will destroy the culture and then ultimately they will become legal because that's what the Democrats want to do and then they'll vote Democrat, you can have an absolute takeover. It's the very same reason why the same people who are cheering on Hamas in Congress, the, the lunatic squad of AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar and these people, the very same reason that these people are never, if you notice, saying a negative word about the border. Not one time, because this is what's working. It's working. If you think the border is a failure right now, you're wrong. It's a huge success. If your goal is to open the border and destroy America, this is a huge success, and they deserve a round of applause for how well they've done here in destroying this country. We're talking about thousands and thousands of people coming over every single day with an incompetent president who doesn't know what freaking day it is to do anything about it. And so you have cities on fire, the border wide open, you have this going on. Meanwhile, now you have this rising anti-Semitism that's going on in this country at college campuses. But remember, you're the problem. You are the problem. Like anyone in this room who might have conservative ideas and beliefs, you're the one the FBI should be concerned about, apparently. So that's why the government of the United States of America is focusing so much of its time now on this phony domestic violent extremism narrative, which doesn't exist have you ever met a domestic violent extremist? Because I have not, and I've been looking. I, I want to meet Bigfoot, and I want to meet a domestic violent extremist. DeSantis, you work here. You can come in. You don't have to wait. Look at him waiting like he needs to be ushered in. That's the executive producer, Matt DeSanctimonious, by the way. DeSanctitraitorous. He's got the Joe Biden puppet. We got all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, uh, that's their plan. That's what, they're, that's what they're about. That's what they're doing. Any questions? Did I, did I miss anything? No, I never do, right? I nail it every time. 855-839-1210. Just kidding. Well, sort of. 855-839-1210. If you want to weigh in today on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, we are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May. Throughout the afternoon, I'll give you the latest on everything that's going on in Israel, Gaza, all of that. The speaker fight is underway right now with Jim Jordan uh, facing a challenge, but I think it's time for the Republican Party to rally around Jim Jordan. He'd be a hell of a speaker. He's what they need. And they should rally around Jim Jordan and make him the next speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. You agree? You with me on that? Absolutely. And because it's Friday and we're at the Grand Hotel and we've had a lot of stories this week about beheadings and, and, and people getting set on fire, we're also going to try to have some laughs this afternoon as well. And so for that, I'm going to sing. <laughs> you missed it. You weren't here to scold me. I heard you. Oh, you uh, did yeah. hear. All right. I, can I retroactively proclaim that Justin Trudeau is, in fact, the, uh, the son of Pierre Trudeau and not Fidel Castro? Allegedly. <laughs> 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. He's definitely the bastard love child is, of, of Fidel Castro. That's not the official So uh, we're great to be here Zioli live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. We got a great show for you. Don't go away. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Okay, welcome back to the show. Glad you are here today. 855-839-1210. We are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, and we are having a lot of fun already, and we're just getting started. So thank you for joining us today. I should also mention to you that uh, Steve Scalise has officially dropped out of the speakership race, which is good. Which is good. And now everybody needs to get behind Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. That needs to happen. And also, too, what I should mention to you is that Justin Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau's not son, (laughs) Justin, got confronted in Toronto by somebody who absolutely went up to him and uh, doing his Fidel thing that he did, you know, allegedly. He tried to say hello to a guy. You have this audio? Can you I play that? All right. Yeah. So, so this guy in, in Canada said, I think what the entire world would like to say to Justin Trudeau if they had the chance to, to meet him. So he uh, <laughs> cut number four. Criminal. Thank you for everything you did for this. Buck to you, bro. Look at this buck to you. Pleasure to see you as well. Hey there. How you doing? I'm shaking your hand, bro. You're a man. Why is that, sir? Of the entire country, you got our buddy over there. Yeah, but how, how did I mess up this country? Can anybody afford a home in this yes. day? They're charging people carbon taxes. Yes. You got nine you know V8s here idling you know for 30 minutes. Tax? Your carbon you footprint is increasing. We're getting charged for what? You know what we're doing? It's with not the stopping. Tax? No, we're carbon. putting a price uh-huh. on pollution, right? And we're returning it to families right. like yours. I don't yours. think so. You're we sending are. it over That's to Ukraine, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah. You send over to the guy that you that slaughtered his own country. You've been listening to Putin, have you? Putin, no, no. Definitely don't listen to 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 your propaganda, eh? You got propaganda, bro. Good for him. Bravo. He said, I'm not shaking your hand because you effed up this entire country. You're charging people carbon taxes, but you have nine V8 engines idling here for 30 minutes. Your carbon footprint is increasing. Isn't that something about guys like that? They all drive around in these big SUVs, right? And they sit them, they keep them idle so that they can go around and pontificate and grandstand. And also, I'm not shaking your hand because I don't want to get Cuban on me. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't... like. You know, so I like that he threw an A in there at the end, just to yeah. make no mistake that he was Canadian. That he's Canadian, yeah. You have to do that. That's the original thing. Like you're you're screwing up the country, eh? You got to do that. Uh, so I have a story here, but uh, we have a guest coming up in just a moment about Canada, actually, and what what's going on over there in a major investigation. Uh, but you know, the guy said something about Ukraine, Ukraine money. Uh, yesterday, in the middle of the Pentagon briefing everybody about what the United States of America is doing to stand with Israel, they mentioned, they slipped this in, that there's going to be another Ukraine aid package. Did anybody catch that yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Another Ukraine aid package is going to be sent over there. What that guy said to Trudeau, which is so true, which is, you are giving all this money, you're taking all this money from us and you're sending it to, you, to Ukraine. And, and did you hear what Justin Trudeau said to him? He said, that's Putin propaganda. That's what he said. See, if you oppose the increased Ukraine funding, come on in, join us. 
If you oppose increased Ukraine funding, it's Putin propaganda. And look, I want to defend Justin Trudeau for a moment. He would know, being the fact that he is the son of a communist. <laughs> Not the when son there's of communist Castro. dogma. How do I mute his mic, Tommy? If I need to, <laughs> is there a button that I can... Uh, now, is Mark there? Do we have our buddy Mark? Here's what I decided to do today. I wanted to do this for you. Uh, Jimmy Fallon has a big show tonight in New York. You know, normally we get Jimmy to come on and say hello. Jimmy's a great guy. But tonight he's filming his first Fox stand-up special, which is going to be on, on Fox Nation. And he invited me to come, of course, but uh, we're here in Cape May, so we couldn't do it. But I said, we have had a, a long week, and we've had a lot of depressing stuff. So I wanted to talk to somebody who uh, has, a, has a good sense of humor. Because we're in Cape May, it's a beautiful day, and I think we could all use a break for five seconds from the sad news of the world. Am I right about that? So, yes. So I'm going to be back at Parks Casino on Thursday, October 19th. Where is it? If I use my show sheet, I would know this. Thursday, October. Oh, and Scott Pressler is going to be on the show later today. I should mention to you, 4.30 today. He's great. He's doing a lot to, to uh, recruit voters for Trump out there and, and Republicans. Thursday, October 19th at 8 o'clock, I'll be back at Club 360 Parks Casino for Comedy Night. But while I was there a couple weeks ago, I met a great guy named Mark Riccadonna, and he joins me right now. Mark, how are you, buddy? Hey, hey Rich. How are you? You're down in Cape May. That's nice. Yeah, we're, we're watching dead whales and dolphins down here because of the windmills. Well, you know, those windmills, they, they get you every time. <laughs> how, how do you, I know you got, you got a show tonight. How do, you, uh, how do you make people laugh in such sad news that's going on in the world? What, what's, the, what's the secret? What's the trick? Well, the good thing is I'm really dumb, so I don't understand a lot that's going on. <laughs> I just kind of go with uh, telling people about my kids pooping their pants. And, uh, you know, I try to stick to the good news. See, I talk about the president pooping his pants. So we have a lot in common, Mark. Well, there's a lot of diaper changing going on in society these days. So it's relatable. (laughs) Uh, Now, being a father and I have three kids and you're a dad, too. And, and, you know, do you you worry about the world, the future of this world for them, the the world we're Uh, handed them here? Of course, that's why I left New York City. <laughs> I left New York. I live in Pennsylvania now. Um, I live, you know, uh, I'm neighbors with you. But, um, yeah, I, it was weird. We left New York, and New Yorkers are so full of themselves that they actually, uh, they can't believe anyone can live anywhere else other than the five boroughs of New York. When we told our friends we were moving out, they're going, you're going to leave New York? Where will you go? And we're like, there's a whole other country on the other side of the bridge. (laughs) We actually were looking at Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? What are you, Amish? (laughs) Yep. Yep, that's how that works. You cross George Washington Bridge, you start churning butter. I, um... I, I, and if something didn't happen within the fibros, I don't know how New Yorkers ever learn world history, let alone about the United States. They only know the five boroughs. When they said, where did you move in Pennsylvania? We said, um, we actually moved down close to Philadelphia. It's where Washington crossed the Delaware. And they're like, oh, is that Staten Island? I, uh <laughs> And we're like, no, haven't you ever heard in 1777, Valley Forge, the encampments, the snow-covered fields, the soldiers actually had to watch walk barefoot across 
these giant snowy fields and they were bleeding. And then I did a little research to try to connect with them. And I found out one of the first groups were from Long Island. And then I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. They were like, oh, whoa, whoa, snow-covered fields. These are Gucci. (laughs) (laughs) Well, New York has a lot of crime, though. I mean, I I was walking through Times Square. My wife and I had to go in uh, recently to something. First of all, you can't drive in the city. They hate cars. They hate you. And they make it so impossible to drive. They've, They've basically turned it all into a giant bike lane. And then you have about three feet for your car. Uh, so unless you're yeah. driving a clown car or a golf car, you're, you really can't get through the city anymore. Well, and it's crazy because the, the bikes that you can rent in New York are getting bigger. Meanwhile, we have to start getting smaller cars to accommodate to the bikes. <laughs> and then, of course, if, uh, if, you, if you, uh, somebody tries to steal your bike and you yell at them, you get in trouble. Yeah. Well, the thing, the, the positive, to look on the positive, if you love the smell of marijuana, New York City <laughs> is probably the place to go. <laughs> uh, you can't go anywhere. It's like, guys, we get it. You smoke weed. Relax. <laughs> well, you would think they would be relaxed if they smoke weed, but they clearly <laughs> are not. <laughs> How are they not the most mellow city on the planet? <laughs> uh, and, and, and what I also love, too, is that, you know, the governor of New York came out and said, listen, we're all for immigrants. We have the Statue of Liberty. We're all about taking you in, except don't come here. Yeah. Well, I mean, we like the Neil Diamond video guys that are in his video. But the rest of them, you know, <laughs> we, we like Balky Bartokamus. We don't want any of the other guys. <laughs> uh, now that you live in Pennsylvania, do you have a gun? Uh, yes. I, yes. I'm, I love hunting. I love target shooting. Um, I am a, a, a very big advocate of guns. That's good. I, enjoy, but lot- I, grew, I, I was born, actually, in Ohio, and um, I lived by a conservation club. So as a young kid, I was going target shooting regularly. It's a good thing to do. We have friends who do that. It's, it's very therapeutic, I think, to go target shooting. Uh, it really yeah, and is. with it's... this economy, you've got to save on the ammunition. Make sure you can shoot well. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you, are you, did you get extra guns because the end of the world's coming? Did you feel like you had to stock up? No, I, I just, uh, I, I have the average. <laughs> I just have one gun. I, I uh I haven't gone hunting since we moved down here, but that was the goal. <laughs> but you think during the pandemic, I should have had time because, you, you know, they wanted us to be outdoors. They wanted us to be in fresh air. Hunting should have been what I did. Plus, you wear a mask when you hunt if you wear the full gear. Right. So it would have, I would have felt all the protocols. <laughs> you actually would have been COVID compliant, except for the fact yeah, that people they would who would... Except for the people that made you wear a mask want to take away your guns. Other than that, you would have been absolutely <laughs> COVID compliant. <laughs> no doubt about it. Oh, uh, now, are, have any of your kids started to identify as transgender yet? Uh, no, they pretty much, they identify as GoBots, uh, Transformers, uh, Pokemon. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful at our house. What are you today? Pikachu? That's wonderful. <laughs> We're very supportive of it, though. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, Pikachu, do they get their own bathrooms if they identify as a Pikachu, or are they allowed to use either? They, they use the tree in the backyard, because we have a yard now. 
Uh, so wait, you're in New Jersey. Did you hear about that guy, Bob Mendez? Menendez? Uh, I did. I heard about him. Yeah. This is, uh, I mean, he is not the 007 I think we were hoping for. <laughs> I mean, did you see the opening, the golden eye? That's my favorite of the 007s. I know everybody probably wants to shoot me right now, but it's my favorite. Goldeneye's opening 10 minutes is what they expect an agent to be. Menendez can't even watch the first 10 minutes without falling asleep. <laughs> is he sitting right next to you? No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, the guy was smart enough to stitch money into his jacket pockets. I did the same thing, and my wife donated those to Goodwill, and, and I lost a, a ton of cash. <laughs> But on, I was, the, on the flip side, it's Goodwill, so some hipster really came in with some money now. <laughs> I said to her, listen, every time I lose weight, stop giving away my fat clothes. You know I'm just going to gain it back. Am I right, Mark? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I have my closet goes from skinny Mark to circus tent Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Bob Menendez, I mean, in addition to having gold bars and having money stitched into his jacket pockets and having... Uh, he also had Wonka bars. <laughs> he had the golden ticket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Godana, his wife, you know, killed somebody with a car and then the cops came and they Not were like... Not my wife, Bob Menendez's wife. Not my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I, I really do appreciate you clarifying that point because people will be like, why'd you have this comedian on when his wife killed a guy with his car? Uh, but Senator Menendez's wife did, and the cops got there, and uh, one of the guys shows up and goes, ah, a friend called, she's good to go. They didn't breathalyze her, they didn't give her a, a drug test, nothing. And her only question was, how do I get a new Mercedes? Not like, oh, it's the poor guy, you know what I mean, funeral bills or anything. Just, how do I get a new Mercedes? And can I get another martini? Yeah, right. Amount if you if you killed somebody with your car, do you think you'd at least get a breathalyzer? Do you think that that's how the the protocol would go for you? I know if I do anything in my car, I get a breathalyzer. <laughs> I mean, I also look like I've been drinking all day, but because uh, I have. <laughs> Uh, so now that you now that you are, are one of us now in Pennsylvania, you, you also have John Fetterman, of course, as your U.S. senator. John Fetter person, as I like to say, because I don't like to bring gender into Fetter it. Fetter person, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you John can't Fetter assume person. in these days. That, thank you, Mark Rickadonna. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> as a guy who, and I've seen you on stage, and I've been with you on stage, and I've always thought you were one of the, and I mean this with great respect, one of the sloppier dress comedians. Do you feel like oh, yeah. you're wearing a, a tux compared to John Fetterman when you perform? Well, it's funny. When I go to, when I play at the Brigada, which I'll be there on October 28th, 29th, <laughs> um, I tend to wear a suit. <laughs> you do but when i play yeah when i'm in a bar i wear a hoodie so i and you can see me at a bar the royal in glenside on october 20th <laughs> what about when you're but serving I, in the united states senate what do you wear then um i mean here's the thing i'm a huge fan of sci-fi and this guy, he foots the bill for that. So I, I guess, you know, you got to let him wear what he wears. Are you accusing John Fetterman of being a robot of some sort? Uh, I'm not going to say robot per se, but I, 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 I am a huge Adams Family fan. 
<laughs> I mean, are you going back and going to try to change the Adams family and tell Fester he can't wear that cloak anymore? <laughs> I mean, I think you got to let him slide on that. <laughs> I think that you're right. And didn't they make a, they made a Netflix show about Friday the the, the little girl? Maybe they'll make a spinoff about uh, about John Fetterman's wife. <laughs> yeah, it's, you just, it's not on Netflix. It's C-SPAN. all right one more time go ahead and chill where are you going to be the borgata in atlantic city when on october 28th and 29th i will be at the royal in glenside pennsylvania on the 20th and that shows a lot of fun that show i actually give comedians topics and the audience sees it at the same time as the comic and they have to make up their whole set on the spot well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And you're going to be in South Jersey at Medford on uh, October 19th as well. So at Ready, Set, Joke. Yes. Uh, excellent. So just go to markrickadonna.com. Mark's a great guy, and he's very, very funny. Well, thank you for giving us all a badly needed laugh in the worst, most depressing um, week in the history of humanity. Rich, thank you for having me on. And look, at, guys, just dumb it down, and you'll, you'll not think so much about what's going on. <laughs> Actually, before I let you go, how is cancel culture these days for comedians? And, and, and do, you, do you worry about it? Um, I have nothing to get canceled. <laughs> I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> I, I honestly, God, I think it was all a big joke. Look at uh, Bill Cosby's on tour. Uh, Dave Chappelle's on tour. And they, they threatened to cancel both of them. I feel like Louis C.K. selling out theaters everywhere. Just go out and laugh. Don't worry about that crap. Maybe we should attempt to cancel you and we'll get you some publicity and then you'll still sell well, out uh, places. Yeah, it would help my career a lot. So <laughs> um, cancel away. <laughs> Mark Riccadonna, thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Break a leg at your thank show you, next week. Man. All right, pal. Thank you. Have a great one, man. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you would like to weigh in today. We also have, uh, we've got Scott Pressler coming on at 4.30 today. He's going to be performing as well, a different kind of performing. He's going to be registering people to vote. So that is a very, very important conversation we're going to have. Dr. Wilford Riley is going to be here as well a little bit later in the show. And um, we'll give you the latest on the speaker's fight as well. Now, let's see. We are told that there's going to be a press conference at... 4.30 today, the Philadelphia Police Department is going to have a press conference today about the, about the officer who was killed in the line of duty last night and also uh, the one who's fighting for his life right now. So what we'll do is, we'll, depending on the timing with Scott Pressler, sometimes these things don't start on time. We'll, we'll take it for you live. You, you know, and I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart. The reward now is up to $148,000 to help catch this cop killer son of a bitch. $148,000. So, yes. You know, I feel very blessed. Years ago, I started to get to know the Philadelphia cops very well. They used to come into the studio back in my first time in Afternoon Drive, and we would do all kinds of things to raise money for the FOP Lodge 5 Survivors Fund. Then I started to do the Children's Behind the Bad, Families Behind the Bad Children's Foundation, and they put me in a dunk tank, you know, two years ago, which to this day, you know, I can't get sick. Did you know that? 
I had the, the water in that was so putrid, it's radioactive. I actually have not gotten sick ever. And they took a sample of my DNA, and I believe that's how COVID started. I'm not quite sure, but I think it came from that. And Maureen Faulkner, God bless her, of course, Maureen Faulkner, she was the one, I said this the other night, the Phillies should have her go out there as a starting pitcher because she threw one pitch, boom, knocked me right into that putrid water in the dunk tank, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about, Dean. And she's got a great arm, arm on her. But I'll tell you, uh, Kyle Schwarber may not be having the best postseason, but that guy, we were at the Schwarber's Hometown Heroes event. Raising money for cops. And I'll tell you, a lot of Philadelphia Phillies were there that night to raise money for the police because they understand how tough the job is and firefighters and first responders. They understand how tough the job is. So I want you to know something. You know, when you cheer on the fighting Phils, you're cheering on some very good guys there. You really are. Some real good guys who gave up their time to be there. And they were so nice. And Arinola hit on my wife, which is a true story. That may not be a true story. Uh, may I be making that up? Uh, and also, uh, Kyle Schwarber, I'm taller than him. Did you know that? <laughs> also, maybe I'm possibly exaggerating that a little bit. And I met a few other guys, too. But the problem is I don't know any of their names. So everybody be like, you know who that is, right? I'm like, yes! <laughs> and be like, who is that again? You know what I mean? But, uh, but they're good guys. And are we at least happy that the Phils won last night? Are we at least happy about that? Huh? The Fightings won? Absolutely. And we're, and we're going uh, to take it all the way to the World Series this time. But I got a great text today. I just wanted to share with you real quick, if I could. I got a text today from somebody early in the day to start the day. Let's see if I can find it here. And uh, I always like, you know, whenever you get a nice text from somebody uh, and it makes you laugh, you say, all right, in these depressing times, if we can all share with each other, it'll be very, very good. So this morning, I got the following text from Lenny Dykstra. You've heard of him, right? He's a former baseball player, ladies, in the back. Played for the Phillies. Should be in the Hall of Fame, but he says very controversial things, such as the following. (laughs) And he tagged me and Mark Levin in this tweet. I love this. He tags me and, and, and the great one, Mark Levin. It's apparently a beautiful morning this Friday the 13th in the Philadelphia area, and a reminder here that during the NLCS and the World Series, the Phillies need to keep... That mush fake Dr. Jill Biden, the F away from the stadium. <laughs> At Lenny Dykstra on Twitter. So I thought if that's not a good way to start the day, I don't know what is. All right, we are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. And since we are here, I should tell you that anytime you want to book your stay here at my happy place, and this is such a beautiful place, just use my name, Zioli. You have your own code to use now to save 15% off when you're booking a midweek stay from now until the end of the year, December 31st. There's no minimum stay required. Just call up the Grand Hotel or go online and use my name, Zioli. When you book, you'll save 15% and you'll get to enjoy that beautiful indoor heated pool, Hemingway's Restaurant. I know the chef is going to pop in at some point today and say hello. I know that. Michael, the general manager, is back there. My friend Caitlin can also help you organize a beautiful event. They have four ballrooms, and we got the big one today. There's a wedding going on downstairs. It's a little low energy compared to us, which is why they got the... But no, I'm just kidding. It's 
They have ev they can do family events here, weddings, bridal showers, baby showers, family reunions, you name it, corporate events as well. And when you use my name, Zioli, you'll save 15% off your midweek stays, beautiful rooms, suites, and townhomes. And I think Chef Mills will stop by at some point, I'm sure, as he's going to attempt to get me alcohol. We'll find out what the specials are tonight. But last time we had... Jersey day boat scallops. We had steak. DeSantis had a lobster tail because he's an elitist from Harvard because that's what they do. And Henry refused to eat it because he didn't know how to open the shell because he's sort of like a primate. Henry, <laughs> he was going to be here today, but and he thought he had to eat the lobster with his teeth. Anyway, you go to GrandHotelCapeMay.com to book your reservation. GrandHotelCapeMay.com. You can't combine this with any other offer. But 800-257-8550. Always book direct with them. Use my name, Zioli, to save 15%. Z-E-O-L-I. And we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, we're live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. It is a beautiful day. We are so happy to be together. Just met a lovely couple. It's their 45th wedding out of you guys leaving already? Thanks for coming. Five minutes to my friends' stay with loyal friends. Uh, I met a wonderful couple. They were going to dinner, though. They have five o'clock reservations, but it was their 45th wedding anniversary. And I thought that was so nice that they came. And I said, well, let me give you a shout out. They said, don't. So I, I said, all right, well, then I won't. I understand. 45 years a long time. They may not want people to know that they're still together, I guess. I'm not quite sure, Tommy. It's hard to understand. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lunatics out there in the world today. You might have heard this. I heard this clip. To, we have a speakership update, though. I want to give you this about uh, Jim Jordan running for Speaker of the House. So according to Representative Ann Wagner of Missouri, she called Jim Jordan's candidacy a non-starter. Representative Don Bacon of Nebraska, who represents a district won by Joe Biden, said lawmakers were worried about caving to the whims of the hard right members who had refused to back Mr. Scalise. How the hell is Jim Jordan hard right? How's he hard right? He backed Kevin McCarthy for speaker. He, he offered to give a speech in support of Steve Scalise. You know what this is? I'll tell you exactly what this is. This is the uniparty afraid that this guy is going to get in there as speaker and say, to hell with your request for Ukraine aid. That's what this is about. That's exactly what this is about. <clears throat> Everything that we're watching play out here with this speaker fight is about Ukraine. I'm telling you right now. And I think that the American people are seeing through what's happening. And what's happening right now is that this administration, because let's face it, I'll say it, you know it, Joe Biden is corrupt and the Ukrainians have something on the guy. That's why when Donald Trump made that phone call, which was perfect, read the transcript, they, they tried to impeach, they impeached him over a phone call to Zelensky. Think about that. What were they afraid that was going to come out over that? Exactly. And when the Hunter Biden laptop first came out, listen, it was not because of the naked pictures of him doing cocaine with Russian prostitutes. Believe me, there's a lot of those on my laptop, too. <laughs> It's because, hey, stop it back there. This is an open mic night. You leave it to the professionals. Uh, it was because of the links to the Biden criminal enterprise, the Biden money laundering operation between Biden family members and shell companies, international money laundering across the planet, across the globe. But ladies and gentlemen, all rise as the owner of the Grand Hotel himself, Bob, has just graced us with his presence. 
You look very handsome today, if I do say so myself. Are you running for Speaker of the House? Now's not the time. Now's not the time. <laughs> uh, the, the Biden criminal money laundering enterprise, and they were all very, very afraid of that coming out so close to the election, so they lied and said it was Russian misinformation. Everything that's happening right now, this aid to Ukraine, and there are two countries getting very, very rich right now off the Russia-Ukraine war. Can you guess who they are? Russia and Ukraine, damn right. And Biden is corrupt, and both Russia and Ukraine have something on him. People often forget the mayor of Moscow's wife gave, Joe Biden, gave Hunter Biden $13 million. For what? What, what was that, like, like a tip for an Uber drive? What was that for? The Russians have something on Biden, and they're not upset by the aid that America's giving to Ukraine because Russia is making a fortune off this war, and this war is going to go on in perpetuity. And, what's, what's, and every time the United States gets more engaged, the war keeps going on. Vladimir Putin's not upset by that. He's making money. He's selling his oil. He's selling his natural gas. And he's getting every weapon he needs from Iran and from China. Meanwhile, this new international axis is forming. And Joe Biden's corruption is at the center of all of it. So right now, the fight to stop Jim Jordan from becoming speaker is because the Uniparty is worried that the military-industrial complex won't get their money for Ukraine. That's what, this, that's what this fight is about. we got a big 4 o'clock hour coming up straight ahead. We are live from the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, coming right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. I sang this little ditty on our way through Ocean City. Heading south along the Jersey Shore On the way to Cape May I fell in love with you On the way to Cape May My life, brother. All right, everybody, come on. I saw my dreams come true I had a bad good As we did to see I'll I'm Avalon on the way to Cape May. You know the words. On the way to, way to Cape May. On the way to Cape May. Everybody, we are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Thank you for joining us today. What an awesome crowd. If you're not here, you are a loser. <laughs> to quote Donald Trump, I mean, seriously, you're missing out on this. Uh, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, 855-839-1210. Thank you for joining us today, whether you are in person or listening on the radio or the Odyssey app or on the podcast, where we have eclipsed well over 2 million podcast downloads since moving to Afternoons one year ago. And none of those are from my mother because she doesn't know how to use the podcast app. 
So I can't even say that it's Mama Zioli. Uh, and, and yes, you can listen on your smart speaker, including, and I won't say her name, because she will react. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, we have some breaking news right now for you. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has just endorsed Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House of Representatives. Breaking news live here on the Zioli Show. We have the audio of that. This is huge. Take a listen. Yeah. I thought it was going really well. We're moving, making progress. I think it would be very close. We'll get a speaker here shortly. Would you support Austin Scott for speaker? No, I was going to support Jim. You're going to support Jim Jordan? Yes. Do you think that he has the votes to go to the floor? I think he's got. I think he's got the votes, but we'll see. Now, Representative Scott said he's supporting. He's running for speaker because he's annoyed that you were ousted. What's your message to him? Look, uh, I think everybody has a right to run. I think Jim's better prepared in the process to be speaker. Um, I don't. I don't think it's right that every Democrat voted to create chaos and eight four percent of the Republicans joined with them. We've launched the things we failed. Think today, the men and women in our military got paid. If Gates had his way, they wouldn't be being paid and they'd be in the Senate and in the Middle East. Our border agents wouldn't be paid. But this whole time, we haven't been able to follow through on our bills that we were trying to get done. We haven't been able to do investigations. Um, it's just we've got 4% of the caucus that really wants to have chaos. Do you think you'll go to the floor today? I don't know. It would be up to them. Do you see any scenario where you come out with the gavel at the end of this? <laughs> no, I'm fine. What? So he's backing Jim Jordan for speaker. That's the good news. He's still very, very bitter at Matt Gates, but hey, that's politics. What are you going to do? I mean, you know, Matt Gates did throw the guy out of the job. Uh, there's an update, too, from my friends at the Philadelphia Police Department. The black Durango that was used in the, in the murder of that police officer last night at the airport has been found torched in South Brunswick, New Jersey. Now, what I'm trying to understand here, a second Hispanic 18-year-old was found shot at a hospital in New Jersey. So I'm assuming that that may be the cop killer. The dead guy dropped off by, there was a dead guy who was dropped off by the Black Durango at CHOP this morning, is also an 18-year-old Hispanic. So there, I think the pieces are being put together that these might be the guys, and they might, they might both be dead, or at least one guy might be shot. One of the one of the, uh, the, the there were two guys involved last night who shot at these cops, killing one and severely wounding the other. Um, but it, it, it's looking like possibly now they might have identified these guys. The reward is up to uh, would you say time one hundred and fifty thousand and she would say both one forty eight five one hundred forty eight thousand five hundred dollars for information that will help lead to the capture of the cop killer. There is a press conference at 4.30 the Philadelphia police are going to have. Uh, we have Scott Pressler joining us to talk about the elections, and, and, and so we will, we will attempt to try to make it all work. We'll find a way. But this is, this is, a, this is a, at least an update. The, the, the black Durango that was used last night was found torched in South Brunswick, New Jersey. So, but I don't, I don't know for sure if they're saying that this dead guy that was dropped off by the black Durango at CHOP this morning was involved in this or not. I would imagine so. All right, so that's the latest I have on that. So that's some breaking news on the show. We'll keep you updated, obviously, on all of this. Uh, regarding the Speaker's fight, Steve Scalise, when he announced he was dropping out of the Speaker's race officially, this is what he said regarding that. Uh, cut number one. 
I know we've been following this. It's been quite a journey, uh, and there's still a long way to go. Uh, I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for the speaker designee. Uh, if you look at over the last few weeks, if you look at where our conference is, there's still work to be done. Uh, our conference still has to come together and is not there. Uh, Wait, stop. Breaking news. Breaking news. House Republicans have just nominated Jim Jordan for speaker on Friday. This just happened moments ago, literally moments ago. Jim Jordan has clinched the speaker nomination in the Republicans' second go at the gavel. Some good breaking news here on the Zioli Show. Look at that. This is why I told you afternoon drive is where the action is, because all the news breaks in the afternoon. Am I right? You know I'm not a math guy, so stop with the numbers. Let me, uh, let me quote Chevy Chase for a moment and say, um, uh, nobody told me there'd be math. Of course, that was him doing Gerald Ford, right, at the... Uh, at the Excuse me, uh, nobody said there'd be any math. Uh, we don't know if he has a 217. I'm trying to just, this is all just coming out right now. Uh, Matt DeSantis, see if you can figure out for me if he's got the 217. I think it, it's looking like, uh, this seems very positive here, because as of a few moments ago, it didn't look like he stood a chance, and now it's looking like he may, he may have it. Does he have a 217? Uh, not according to the New York Times. Well, well F, the, screw the New York Times. What, what, what? Their update was a couple minutes ago, and they said that um, there's still some question as to whether or not he's actually going to be able to get the 217 votes that he needs. All right, here is the numbers from Greg Price on Twitter. The House Republican Conference has voted to nominate Jim Jordan, Speaker of the House, in a vote of 124 to 81. That's ridiculous. How many Republicans are still voting against this guy? Yeah, that's still not good because McCarthy won 188, I yeah. believe, uh, before his whole um, process on the, <laughs> the House floor, which obviously took 15 votes. Amazing. Um, uh, real, wow. OK. All right. Uh, hey, Phil, are you taking are you answering the phone? Somebody's complaining on Twitter. They're trying to call the show and they're just ringing. Are you answering the phone? Yeah, we're answering. All right. I don't see anybody on my call screen, though. Do you have anybody? Not right now. All right, we'll call again, 855-839-1210. Maybe I have the wrong call screen. I don't know, but somebody just tweeted out. You all drive all the way to Cape May just to still not answer the effing phone. Uh, there's no need to curse. <laughs> we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best here to try to keep up with this breaking news. All right, so that's, this is why this, this uh, is relevant here. Fox's Brett Baer reporting on this. He said this is what he's hearing on the Hill right now regarding the Republicans and the speakership fight. Uh, cut two. Hey, let's talk about this uh, hunt for a speaker. Um, I've talked to a lot of people up there, you know, private conversations uh, on background. Uh, a number of them told me crazy things, saying um, that probably Jesus of Nazareth could not get 217 votes right now. Um, I only came a few votes. What, yeah, what is what's happening here? Is is this particular conference governable? Can you get to 217 for anybody? It's tough right now. Look, it took me 15 rounds to get there. I thought that would have worn people out. Look at what we were able to accomplish in those nine months. Even when you came to the debt ceiling, the biggest cut in American history, work requirements. We did border security bill. We did made us energy independent. We did the Parents' Bill of Rights. We were very successful. But unfortunately, eight members, not from a conservative basis, joined all the Democrats for their own personal belief that put us into this mess that really put a challenge. And now it's very difficult to get 
to 217. So there's another breaking news here regarding the police shooting. So I'm going back and forth here. I hope you don't mind, but I'm just trying to keep you updated on everything. The latest on this right now is that they believe, according to the latest here, the teen shooting victim is believed to be connected to this. So remember I said to you that there was the, the inside scoop that I got here was that this, let's see here, 18-year-old Hispanic found shot at a hospital in New Jersey. They believe that this, this kid, 18-year-old is a man, this adult, this 18-year-old adult found shot at a hospital in New Jersey. They do believe this person is connected to the, the this is the cop killer. They think they may have him. In New Jersey, South Brunswick, New Jersey, which is in North Jersey. There's no such thing as Central Jersey, but it's North Jersey. Black Durango found torch in South Brunswick. So this, I think they think this is the guy. And then, so that's good. I mean, that might be the good news. Uh, we, have, we don't know if it's officially confirmed yet, though, but we are, we're all over it. But that, now they're saying that they believe, and maybe this is what the press conference at 430 is all about. If that's the case, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out for you, but... I just want you to understand, I mean, how dangerous this job is. You know, these officers were off duty. They were about to start their work shift at the airport. And these these officers, one or more of the shooters had fled from the shooting scene at the airport in a black 22 Dodge Durango. That's the one. The suspects remain at large. So one one dead guy was dropped off this morning at CHOP. They think he's one of the guys. And now this second person discovered at a hospital in New Jersey and they think this might be the second one here. So the good news is we, they may have got these guys. One of them's dead, good, rotten hell. And the other guy looks like they may have the guy. So we'll see if that's, in fact, the case. All right, good. That's some good news. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I can be very happy uh, if, they get, if they get these guys. At least to be some justice here. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in today on everything we are doing. Oh, but and we, have, we have some uh, Zeoli Army shirts to give away. We have hats, too. And I don't know how to do this. We've got to come up with a way to do it. What'd you say? Just throw, throw them like, like, a, like, the, like the fanatic does? Like a t-shirt cannon? Oh, a t-shirt cannon would have been cool. Do we have a t-shirt cannon, Walter? No t-shirt. How does Odyssey corporate feel about me shooting shirts at people's heads? How does our corporation feel about a t-shirt slingshot? We could do, so we could slingshot one. Let me try one. Let's, let, give me one. Let's just see if we can do this. Let's see if we can make this work. Let's do not what? What? Oh, oh you think I'm, you think I'm going to hit that chandelier? Is that what? And so let, let, let me understand my, my dear friend, Melissa, who puts this all together for us. She thinks that with my athletic ability, I have the ability to A, hit that chandelier and B, hit it with such force. I would bring it down. Hang on, Walter. Hang on. I'm just seeing what size this is. Oh, I got to roll it up. All right. Hang on. I got to roll it up. This is a uh, XL. Well, I got to put an XL. You know, hang on. which one is this one now? Is this, is this a, oh, this is good. All right, what size is this? I have no idea. Who doesn't have one? And it's a large. Who can use a large? All right. Watch this, okay? <laughs> this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. All right, here we go. I'm warming up. Let me give you my play-by-play. It's like what I did with the Phillies the other night. <clears throat> Zioli's at the base. He looks around. This is a disaster. I got practice throw. I got, almost knocked over the Red Bull. I got Gatorade. I got Red Bull. I got, I got water. Nothing good comes from this. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to channel my inner fanatic. <laughs> Hang on. Hold it. Ready? Boom! 
Yeah, you hit your target. I'm impressed. All right, I got I got a girl, a, a lady shirt. This is really tiny. All right, I got a tiny lady shirt. All right. Who's the tiny lady? You already have one though, which I appreciate. Who? All right, let's see if I can do this here. Let me tell. I'm gonna tie this up. You think I can hit all the way over there? No, there's no way. With this arm, please. Oh, that was pretty good. Let's see if he wants to give it to a tiny lady. All right, who's an extra large? All right, who's an extra large? I'm going to throw it to that side of the room over there. Ready? Let me tell you about my athletic ability. <laughs> I had a pitcher one time. Uh, uh, I had a gym teacher. This guy was a real jerk. He once told me, he said, Zioli, you throw like a girl. Of course, nowadays, that would get me a college scholarship. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Boom. Oh, she's running over. Punch him. Knock him down. Beat him down. All right, we'll do more of this as the show progresses, okay? All right, we'll have some fun today. I like it. I know. I got to give Forrest one. So this guy, Forrest, drove up from West Virginia six hours to be here. Whoa. Twice. Well, he couldn't come today, but I promised him... No, but I did. I promised him an extra large shirt because he drove all the way up from West Virginia. He doesn't need the Kelly Green because he's not, I mean, he's West Virginia, right? He's not an Eagles fan. He probably can't even read. It's West Virginia. So what we'll do is he's going to share it with his sister. Stop being, stop people. Why is everybody so uptight today? All right. Uh, but we got to get one for Forrest. So is this an XL? All right. So we'll put this aside for Forrest. If it, Forrest, if you're listening, buddy, I got you covered. Okay. And I'm sorry about all the West Virginia jokes that Matt DeSantis made. He's very I, that's rude. That's a lie. <laughs> very rude. I love um, West Virginia. Okay, I understand. All right, uh, we got a lot of breaking news. I'm going to take a break because there's more stuff developing right now, and I want to make sure that you get everything that you need. And Scott Pressler is going to join us at 4.30. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, we are so glad you're here today. We're having a great time. If you're on your way, come down. If you, if you have nothing better to do, come join us. There's wonderful people here. We'd love to see you. The bar is open, and the Zioli Army is literally running to the bar as we speak right now. I love it. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. The Braves announcers were not happy and not fans of Bryce Harper's throat slash celebrations, given the fact that Hamas terrorists oh. are murdering... Oh, I, I, I know. I know. I've decided I do want to go to war, but it's with Atlanta. <laughs> well, we already ended them. This was uh, Joe Simpson, who is, I believe, the play-by-play announcer for the Braves. Is he related to OJ? Well, there's a slash. So, yeah, Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 12. 10 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. See Joe Conklin with the City Rhythm Orchestra at the Miller Center in Reading on Wednesday, October 18th, and at Springfield High School in Delaware County, Saturday, November 11th. Oh my God, it was amazing. I loved it. All his voices are fabulous, and the fact that he sings. I couldn't imagine how good it would be with the orchestra. Awesome show. I've never laughed so much. My teeth hurt. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's Conklin and City Rhythm at the Miller Center in Reading and at Springfield High School in Delco. For tickets, go to joeconklin.com. Joe 
Howdy, I'm Hank, and I'm a plumbing pro who installs Bradford White Water Heaters. I've done so many, my buddies call me Hank the Tank. If you want a reliable, efficient, long-lasting water heater that's built to be the best, you want Bradford White. And you can only get one from a pro like me. How you heat your water matters. So make it a Bradford White water heater. Check out BradfordWhite.com and find a pro like me. Take it from Hank the Tank. Choose Bradford White. We do all we can to ensure our kids are happy, healthy, safe, and strong. Having high-quality, low-cost health insurance helps make that possible with CHIP. Your child can have medical, dental, eye care, and more for free or low cost. Whether you're self-employed, unemployed, or your employer benefits are just too expensive, CHIP is there for you to help your child be strong. CHIP Strong. Apply or renew today at 800-986-KIDS or go to chipcoverspakids.com. Paid for with Pennsylvania taxpayer dollars. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Hey, Paoli, we know your favorite station is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Always live on the free Odyssey app. There's a place called Kokomo. That's where you want to go to get away from it all. Bodies in the sand. All right, welcome back. We are live at the Grand Hotel of K-Bay, New Jersey. We are having a great time. I just got my Guardians of the East, Ho- East Coast, Guardians of the East Coast hat from Patrick J. Patrick, thank you for this. I went with the powder blue color in honor of the Phillies, and... Oh, we're back. Oh, we got it. Okay, got it. All right. We're back. We're live. We're on the air. Okay, we had a little technical difficulty, but we are back, and thank you uh, for joining us today. We're live. Hey, I got a Zioli Army beanie for you. Uh, You're texting. You're not even paying attention. To go with your Zioli Army shirts. (laughs) Here you go. All right? Here we go. Boom. I can't. See, I'm the worst. I have no athletic ability whatsoever. (laughs) All right, 855-839-1210 is the number. Uh, I got a question, Phil, uh, the music you're playing. What, talk to me about what, what we're hearing today. What do we got? What's the theme? What would you like to know? It's all um, beach-related. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Beach-related music. All right, do we have any, uh, any requests? Uh, we don't take requests, do we, Phil? Uh, we can. I mean, it's your show, so uh, you All know, right. what do you want? Well, in honor of the Phillies last night, I feel like we should play like Hell's Bells or something with a bell in it. I, I could do or, that. Oh, Dancing Absolutely. on My Own. Can we do Dancing on My Own for the Phillies? Phil? Yes, I could do that. You, you don't like that one, do you? I got no problem with it. All right. Well, listen, good. <laughs> uh, by the way, the Dodgers, in case you're wondering, the Los Angeles Dodgers have announced they're going to make a couple of changes to their lineup. Also, they're going to spend less time with um, Catholic-hating drag queen nuns and more time practicing, which I think is a good improvement for them. (laughs) I think that's going to work out well for them next season. 
Uh, okay, so the latest on the speaker fight right now that we have is that Jim Jordan has been officially nominated by the Republicans. He still does not have the number he needs to clinch it, but that fight is still ongoing. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic here that he will get it ultimately. I really am. I, I hope he will because it's, uh, this, this, this fight is, is, uh, is crucial here. Speaking of the speaker fight, everything that's happening, we have a presidential election coming, as you know, in 2024. Donald Trump is still in court now. You know, they're still going after him in court. And he's actually in court now with a showdown with that, that low-life, two-faced fraud, Michael Cohen. I have no use for people that betray people in life. I really do. I have no use for them. Your word is your bond in life. And, and, and Cohen was his lawyer, his protector, and then he flips on the guy. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because I'm Italian, and maybe because I love revenge. I do. As you know, I love it. <laughs> And in fact, I love revenge in such a way that tonight at the bar and Caitlin and Bob will vouch for this. My friends are not going to let me have my cell phone because I tend to sometimes say some things. You know what I mean? The people that have crossed me in life. (laughs) Because in vino veritas, as my people say, am I right? In vino veritas. But uh, Trump is still dealing with this, uh, this issue right now. He's back Jim Jordan for speaker. I think that the Republicans right now who are holding out are not only being disrespectful to Jordan, Jordan they're being disrespectful to Trump. And it's wrong. And it really is wrong. It's absolutely wrong, and it needs to stop. There's a breaking news update here. God, these are all coming in right now about this uh, shooting. Uh, Okay, they, they do believe that this team that they found in Jersey is connected. All right, they do believe that that's the second thing. They're, they are going to, I think, make that announcement very, very soon. All right, good. Uh, so looking at 2024, Joe Biden is in Philadelphia today, and he tripped upstairs again. This man is amazing how he does this. In a gravity-defying feat, Joe Biden tripped up the stairs again today. Now, he didn't fall down because they put a, a, a rail up, you know, for the old timer so that he can, he can actually hold on to it. But he has fallen up the stairs of Air Force One multiple times, falling up stairs. I understand how you fall down. Gravity takes you down. That's what I said yesterday on the show. I'm a science guy. It's just like how Dylan Mulvaney will never be a woman because of science, and I will never be a fish, even though there are times I'd like to be. Love to be a fish. How easy would it be to get around, right? Just jump in the ocean, swim to places, save money, or swim down to Florida. But I could do gill surgery. You could put scales on me, attach a fin to me. I'm still not going to be a fish. And uh, the point with this whole thing, this whole situation, oppressors there. Okay, let's do that. let Let me stop with my analogy right now about gravity. Just say that the president falls up and defies gravity. Okay, so that's the only thing I'm going to say defies gravity. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm very happy to welcome to the show the executive director of Early Vote Action. The goal is to turn out the Republican vote for the next election. He's very, very famous on social media. He's fighting the good fight and he's coming to Pennsylvania. Scott Pressler, thank you for joining us here today. How are you? Hey, thank you for the opportunity live from Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. We are live from Cape May, New Jersey, so we are, uh, we're, we're, we're all excited that you're joining us. You, you, you started this operation years ago. You've done incredible work. How many people have you registered you. Republican since you started this? Oh, gosh, I've lost count, but thousands of voters across the country. Good, 
Good. And, and you're focusing, you're, you're in Indiana County, PA, Slippery Rock right now, Lawrence County, Washington County, you're going to Pittsburgh, you're going to be in Erie, you're going to be in Center County, you're going to be in Monroe County, Bucks, <laughs> and Delco. You're all over the place. So talk to me. I mean, why, why have you decided to invest so much of your time and resources in Pennsylvania? Well, in part, I mean, the impetus for early vote action was 2022. Look at, you were just describing the disaster of the Joe Biden administration. Look at the uh, attack from Hamas and Israel, the war with Ukraine and Russia, our porous border, Sentinel. So many things are going wrong. And despite that, 2022, we didn't have the red tsunami that we should have had. And so I'm calling for an all of the above approach to voting. And I'm here in part in Pennsylvania because, yes, I do want to defeat Joe Biden and make him a one term president. But it starts with winning this year. A lot of people don't know we have a Supreme Court election this November on Tuesday, November 7th. And for anybody that remembers the horrors of the Wolf administration, when he locked down the state, he shut down our churches, our businesses, our schools. He put COVID positive patients into nursing homes. Well, is it possible that Democratic Governor Shapiro will also institute mask mandates and lockdowns again? Yes, it is a possibility because we've seen with the Democrats, they're willing to pull fire alarms to get their way. And so I'm asking, I'm begging, I'm pleading, please, everyone, if you want to make sure that we have freedom in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, if you want to limit the authority of the governor, and if you want to provide that we're going to keep things open here in Pennsylvania, then vote for Judge Carolyn Carluccio to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court on Tuesday, November 7th. And if you're a trucker or firefighter, police officer, if you're a member of the United States military, make a plan to either vote by mail, you have until the 31st to request one, or vote early at your local elections office. But lock in those votes, please. Scott Pressler, your, your points about the Pennsylvania Supreme Court are excellent. I want to remind everybody that in 2020, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did something so incredibly unconstitutional. They changed the time, the manner and the date of the presidential yes. election, which they do not have the authority to do. And that that was part of the reason why Joe Biden was declared the winner in Pennsylvania, because they were accepting ballots that had no postmark on them, ballots that were received late. Uh, it was a disaster. And the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, I mean, leaving aside talk about Dominion, leaving aside other things. I mean, everybody, 100 percent, you can you can absolutely verify that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court intervened in that election for the benefit of Joe Biden. So you cannot emphasize enough how important this election is. Well, and furthermore, I want to emphasize to everybody that's dooming and glooming, no. Think about what Mr. Zioli just said. He said that despite the universal mailing, despite the fact that the legislature did not consent to the changes right before the election, Joe Biden only, quote unquote, won in 2020 in Pennsylvania by 80,000 votes. Guys, we have 80,000 Amish in Pennsylvania. We have 80,000 truckers and we have 930,000 hunters in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And so we at Early Vote Action are working on a robust voter registration operation as well as the get out the vote operation. For example, why are we not putting mail in ballot drop boxes in every single Amish enclave in Pennsylvania? And let's get a 
mail-in ballot in the hands of every single trucker who are serving our country in Holland rigs on our behalf and make sure that if they're not home on Election Day, that they are getting in those 80,000 votes. And I'm telling you right here, right now, let's win this November on Tuesday, November 7th with Judge Carolyn Carluccio. And next year, let's come together as a family, defeat the Joe Biden and elect a Republican president. It is within our power. Well said, my man. Well said. Except two things. Two things, Scott Presser. Number one, please call me rich. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Secondly, uh, how many? You got to count the dead, too, because it is Friday the 13th, and the dead do rise to vote in, in Philadelphia. So, uh, look, everything you're saying is right, and I love your positivity and I love your optimism. And I agree, because I hear from people all the time and say they're going to steal it, blah, blah, blah. Steal it. We have to do what we can do. All we yes. can do is what's in our control, right, Scott? We have to do what's in our control. Yes. And you cannot, if you allow, if, if people walk around with a negative attitude, like no matter what, they're going to steal it or whatever else, then, then people are going to stay home. And, and already, the tricks that are played i'll give you a great example in new jersey when jack chiarelli was running against phil murphy uh king phil mm-hmm. the unaccountable his royal rugness as we call him there was a poll that came out that weekend by monmouth university that said murphy had a 13 point lead over jack chiarelli and so yep. republicans stayed home hundreds of thousands of republicans didn't come out to vote so we cannot have a self-defeating attitude about this well and two things real quick number one After the 2020 debacle, everybody was dooming and glooming. They said that we couldn't win. In 2021, we had a Supreme Court election, and we as Republicans, as the state, elected Kevin Brobson to the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania. We showed precedent that we can win. And furthermore, I know we have a lot of New Jersey people listening. Let me tell you right now, we have the power this November to take over the General Assembly. We need seven General Assemblymen, and we either need six state Senate seats and you come out and you vote this November straight Republican ticket in New Jersey and we will be able to stop Democratic Governor Murphy from passing reckless and dangerous legislation. New Jersey, this is within your power and I'm counting on you to help shock the nation this November. Yeah, I'll give you a great example. Well said. There's a great example. I mean, we have this battle going on, Scott, as you know about these wind these wind turbines and uh, my friends are here today from, uh, from the various organizations here today, including the Guardians of the East Coast. They're trying to put up these hmm. massive wind turbines, which are killing whales and dolphins. There are some of these races here for the state Senate as well are incredibly close, including. Yes, including there's a state Senate race in Monmouth County, New Jersey. This guy, uh, this guy up there named Vin Gopal, who is a champion of this and also a champion of the work curriculum in schools. He needs mm. to go, and it's a close fight there, and he needs to go. So you're right, Scott. Everybody has to get out there. But I want to ask you a question. I mean, you were not always a Republican, right? Oh, no, I've always been conservative. However, Obama did inspire me to point the finger at myself and say, Scott, what are you doing to take action? But I want to be very clear. I am not a Mitt Romney Republican. I am not a Liz Cheney Republican. I understand the difference between being a globalist and America first citizen. And I'm very much the latter. I love it. I love it. I think that that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Love it. Love it. Uh, Scott Pressler, listen, you are doing a great job. And again, I want to remind everybody your website is earlyvoteaction.com, earlyvoteaction.com. And how old are you, Scott, if you don't mind me asking? (laughs) I'm a millennial. 
I'm just, let's put it that way. I mean, I date up to 45, you know, so any police officers out there, please go to earlyboataction.com and hit me up. But you can <laughs> find my, <laughs> you can find my entire event schedule by going to earlyboataction.com and go to events. And again, I'm hitting 14 counties in 25 days. My heart is in this, and I hope you will join me in this movement to help save our country. All right, buddy. Well done. Scott Pressler, everybody. Thank you, pal. Keep up the great work. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mitch. Bye. Bye. Uh, 855-839-1210. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. When you are involved in an accident, you guys all right over there? Just checking. Everybody good? All right. Do I need a drink? Yes. Well, I'm going to have one? No. I'm going to try to wait a couple more minutes, maybe five, five more seconds or so. But... Uh, since we are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, I, I, I do want to mention that the Guardians of the East Coast were kind enough to come. Give me this hat. I think it's going to look good on me. What do you think? Let's see. Let's try it on here. What do you think? It's a good look, huh? Not bad, right? Oh, we have the press conference. Can we go live right now to the press conference. This is the update on the shooting of the Philadelphia police officer. Sorry, so many across our city field today. It's difficult to express in words the pain and sadness caused by a loss like this. It is incredibly disheartening when violence impacts members of our own city workforce and those who dedicate their lives to serving their fellow Philadelphians. I extend my deepest sympathies to those who knew, the lo- knew and loved the officer we lost last evening. We grieve with you. Philadelphia lost a dedicated city first responder who was simply doing his job and serving our city. And to the family, friends, and colleagues of the second officer who was injured in the same incident, we pray for his swift recovery. Everyone, keep these families and all members of the Philadelphia Police Department in your prayers at this difficult time. To honor the memory of our slain officer, all city flags will be flown at half-staff for the next 30 days. What happened last night was a terrible tragedy and a sobering reminder of the danger our police officers face every day on the job. And I want to commend the tremendous response of our police department as they search tirelessly for the criminals that committed this act of violence. If you have any information about this incident or any other, or any other, please report it to the Philadelphia Police by calling or, calling or texting 215-686-TIPS. That's 215-686-TIPS. We will not stop until they are in custody and brought to justice. Our, fa- our fallen officer selflessly gave his life serving and protecting his community from harm. His sacrifice will not be forgotten. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm John Stanford, interim police commissioner. Um, so before we get into the details and before I, I call up the interim first deputy, uh, Frank Venora, to go into some specifics about uh, what we have um, discovered thus far, I uh, just want to go over a few things. So um, just one point I want to make is that this has been, last night obviously was a rough night for our department, um, but the past uh, week or so has been a rough week um, for this organization and for the w- women and men that belong to this organization. Going back to uh, just over a week ago, where we had three officers um, that were shot uh, in the line of duty responding to an incident. Um, fast forward on Monday, we had a commander um, die by suicide. Wednesday, um, the active commander. On Wednesday, we had an active police officer. Um, that we discovered um, died as a result, suddenly, um, possibly as a result of some type of medical emergency. And then last night, and, and last night, going back to the tragic incident, everything unfolded um, around 11 p.m. 
where we had two officers assigned to the, the airport unit uh, responding to in terms of arriving at work, parking in the parking garage there. Um, officer number one was Officer uh, Richard Mendez, uh, 50 years of age, 22-year um, veteran, almost 23 years, three days away from 23 years on the job, um, assigned to the airport, married with, with one daughter. Um, he was arriving to work along with uh, Officer um, Raul Ortiz, um, 60 years of age, uh, married with three children, 20-year veteran of the department, also assigned to the airport. So both of them are arriving to work, as many of our officers do. Uh, each day, and as they're stepping out of their vehicles, they hear glass shattering. And so doing what um, I would say all of our men and women do, um, again, tending to, to what was going on, paying attention to what was going on, they go to investigate uh, the, the sounds of that glass shattering, and when they come upon uh, either three or four individuals that are breaking into a vehicle, um, at some point in time there is some type of uh, encounter or struggle um, from what we know which leads to, um, during that confrontation, that leads to uh, Officer Mendez uh, being shot multiple times and Officer Ortiz being shot one time um, in his arm. Um, we also know that during that incident that a suspect uh, was shot um, during that, that encounter. Um, officers responded to that location. Obviously, the suspect fled uh, from that location in a vehicle in which, again, uh, D.C. Venor will get into a little bit more in terms of details around that. Um, our officers responded. Uh, originally, all of the officers were initially taken to uh, Methodist Hospital, and then Officer Mendez was transported to Penn Presbyterian, and Officer Ortiz was transported to Jefferson. Um, around 11.34 p.m., Officer Mendez was pronounced. And so, um, again, a very um, heartbreaking incident, um, devastating incident for the, the women and men of this organization. Um, but I, I would submit to you it's devastating to the city um, to know that this is the type of behavior that's occurring, uh, the type of individuals that are out there on the street uh, to take someone's life over a vehicle um, that didn't belong to them. And, and so um, just a reminder of the work that needs to be done, uh, the individuals that are out there that need to be um, held accountable for their actions and what they're engaged in. Um, right now, there is a reward that's up to $148,500 um, for information that anyone may have that could lead to the arrest and, and conviction of these individuals. Some of that may be just for the arrest. Um, public Affairs will break those numbers out for you. Uh, but again, we're, we're calling on the public to provide uh, tips and information uh, 215-686-TIPS. You can remain anonymous. You can submit that information. And again, you can also submit it and, and get this claim, this reward money. And so we will call on the public today, as we do every day, uh, to help us and to assist us. Uh, we ask that you wrap your arms around um, this family, the, the family of uh, Officer Mendez, but also around Officer Ortiz and his family, and I would ask that you wrap your arms around the Philadelphia Police Department because we need it. We need that support. Um, our women and men go out and they, they fight the fight every day for so many people in this city. And so we ask for that support in return, and we need it. And so um, I'll leave you with that. 
I'll turn it over to um, Interim First Deputy Frank Venor to go a little bit more into the details of the investigation thus far. All right, good afternoon. I'm not going to go into the preliminary. Most of you have the preliminary information. I am going to cooperate through investigation some facts that we found out. I just want to caution everybody that we are still very much in the investigative stage. All right, some of this information may change. Uh, we, are, we are working very hard on uh, the investigation. The other thing I want to say is I can't give every detail out uh, because we have active uh, investigations going on into several areas of this, of this incident. So as the commissioner said, when Officer Mendez and Officer Ortiz arrived to the garage, um, they heard glass breaking. They encountered individuals they believed were committing a crime, breaking into a car. Uh, that encounter turned into a confrontation, which resulted in, we now know, um, Officer Mendez being shot, Officer Ortiz being shot in the arm, and, and uh, they were transported to the hospital. A very short time later, we developed some information that a, a Dodge Durango uh, is the means from which the individuals left the airport and fled. That information was broadcast and, and people were looking for it. Um, just about the same time that the officers arrived at Presby, um, the Dodge Durango, we believe same one, arrives at uh, Children's Hospital uh, in West Philadelphia. And we are going to release uh, through public affairs some clips of a video of uh, an individual who drops off a, a shooting victim that was eventually pronounced at 11.37 p.m. at Children's Hospital. That individual is an 18-year-old male that I'm going to identify as Jesus Herman Madera Duran. That individual was dropped off. We believe that Durango is the same Durango um, that was seen leaving the parking garage. So we are now believing that this is connected. So that individual, uh, we believe, was shot in the same incident as the two police officers. There are other individuals in that car that we are trying to identify. There is some video you're going to see of at least one of them exit the car, uh, and, and he, he leaves the individual there and drives off. You're not going to see all of that, but you will have images of that individual. So we're urging people, if you know who that individual is, to please let us know. All right? That, that vehicle, that Dodge Durango, through investigation, we were able to uh, discern that that was a stolen vehicle. It had been stolen about a week ago in South Philadelphia. Detectives were able to contact the owner of that vehicle. They was able to identify uh, his vehicle. Also, we found out that that vehicle had a tracking device or a, an, an air tag inside it. Okay, at some point during the search for this vehicle, they were able to uh, go uh, tap into that tracker and, and police officers on I-95 in the area of Academy were able to recover that tracker. So some of you today seen a search going on on I-95. We were looking for additional evidence. Uh, and, and that's all I could say at this point. We're looking to see if there was anything else left behind uh, by that vehicle. Sometime around 1.30 in the morning, um, police in South Brunswick responded to a vehicle fire. All right, we now know that our vehicle uh, was set on fire in South Brunswick. We have members of the ATF, FBI, and our crime scene unit that are going to uh, retrieve that vehicle, bring it back to Philadelphia, and process it for evidence. All right, we, we are also looking at a lot of other evidence, both ballistic evidence that was left at our scene. We're looking at digital evidence video in a lot of different places, and we're looking at forensic evidence in every, everything we can touch. 
There's people working to try to identify the individuals. There could be up to three additional individuals that were inside that Durango. So anybody who may know who was driving that car or who uh, may have uh, been accompanying Mr. Duran uh, during the course of these actions, we're urging them to give us a call. All right, and, and with that, um, if anybody has any questions, we'll be glad to try to. Do you think Duran is the shooter? Do you think Duran is the shooter in this case? I couldn't say that at this point. I don't have any evidence to say who was shooting. Do you know who shot Duran? I don't. I don't. We don't know. We, they, one of the things I do want to mention is Officer Mendez's gun is missing. All right? That gun is missing. We do have fired cartridge casings at the scene. There's a lot of analysis going on, but we do not have that gun. We, we cannot discern who fired that gun, if that gun was fired or another gun was fired yet. I'm not going to comment on, on his. He's still in the hospitalized, and I'm not going to comment on his uh, his video. Timeline when they were arriving to work. Approximately 11 o'clock, a little before 11, they hear glass break and they go to investigate the uh, the incident. Well, they're reporting to work. They heard a crime, and they, they uh, two veteran police officers with decades of experience moved towards the crime. So they were working. Were they in uniform? Uh, one of them was with a jacket on top, Officer Mendez. Another one was in partial uniform pants with a sweatshirt on. Would they have drawn their weapons as they approached? I don't. I don't. Would they have had vests on as they approached? I, I, I could say that when we encountered them, they did not have vests. So I don't think they're wearing a vest uh, when they're arriving to work. No. I can't answer that. We, we, we're, we're analyzing video. We're going to release what we can to you. There may be more coming, but I, I, don't, I can't tell you where we're getting the video from in every instance. Can you talk about the lack of cameras in the parking garage? I can't. I can't. I, I, you would have to ask somebody from the parking garage. I couldn't help you with that. How about Frank's information on Officer Mendez? I know he's with more than 22 years. I understand the he worked a, a large portion of his career in the 25th district. I worked with him. I worked with both of them in the 25th district uh, and then transferred to the airport, I think, sometime in 2018. Um, you know, great officer, great person, um, was admired by everybody to work with him. So, um, you know. Um, I, I don't think that just started this year. I, I think the brazenness goes back for some years. I mean, we had uh, two years in which we had some of the, high, the highest numbers of homicides. And so I, I think the brazen behavior um, coming out of, of COVID and, and then, you know, civil unrest and, and folks not being held accountable in this city. Bingo. Um, in terms of how they commit crime. Bingo. And the, the response to that. Folks not being held accountable. See that, what you and, just and, said? Well, in terms of, you know, the real reality is sometimes there aren't consequences. I mean, if you are arrested in, in Bravo. a second tier of the Bravo. justice system that isn't upheld, whether that be going through being prosecuted, whether that be going through the court system, um, sometimes there's always this conversation about zeroing in on just whether or not they're prosecuted. But I also remind you that there is a, a, a building on the other side of uh, Broad Street, you know, CJC. And, and again, there need to be folks in that building that are held accountable, too. And, and that's always left out. Bravo. Bravo. Exactly right. And so Bravo. Um, I think it's looking at the overall criminal justice system 
not just the police, not just the district attorney's office, but looking at the overall criminal justice system. I think folks have heard it said before, there are ways that you can, you know, hold people accountable. Everybody doesn't need to be in jail, but there are a, a good number of folks that commit violent crimes that we see over and over and over again, um, gun arrests, robberies, um, carjackings. That's not a, a thing that you should get a slap on the wrist, um, that you should be held accountable. And some of that requires time. Some of that requires you to be incarcerated. Some of that requires you to be monitored by the probation and parole system. Um, that is all the components of the criminal justice system. And so when you say um, what encourages folks to commit crime, um, I think it's not just the violent crime, it's all levels of crime. You heard us talk about quality of life over the past few weeks going back to the looting. There are folks that were engaged in that behavior, and you, all of you are on social media, and you could see the responses. When we said we were locking people up, you saw a change. When we said we were holding people accountable, we were going to make those arrests, you saw the responses from people, some of them saying, oh, wow, they're locking people up. Yeah, and same thing with the, the ATVs. And, you know, the individual decided to smash a window of that young lady's car. Um, he was held accountable. He was arrested and, and he's charged. And so I think people want to feel safe in this city. People want to know that uh, people are going to be held accountable. If you are a victim of a crime, you want to know that people cannot do that to you and get away with it. And I think we have to understand there could be a balance in policing. We can do things that hold police officers accountable, which we, we do every day. But there also has to be a process in which we hold individuals that commit crime accountable. And, and I think that's lacking right now. And it's not just in this city. I think we see that lacking across the country. Yeah, um, bravo. My focus is this city. And so uh, we're going to keep continuing to press on. We're going to continue to work with our partners. The district attorney's office is here. And so, again, um, I'm not going to get into that space of pointing fingers and blaming. I'm going to get into the space of we have to find common ground. We have to find areas that we can work together. We are going to disagree on some things, and there are going to be some places where we have to stand firm. But at the end of the day, people in this city are tired. They're tired of all the back and forth, the finger pointing, uh, the blaming. They want to see results. They want to see people held accountable. They want to see people, you know, again, um, held responsible for the, the actions, and they want to feel safe. And, and that's going to require some people going to jail. Yeah, bravo. I mean, that's great. I mean, I support them 100%. And, and again, I tell them to, to make the arrest, to do the jobs where it's warranted, make the arrest, to do the job you've been sworn to do. Um, and, again, that's why I call on the support from all of you and, and support from, you know, folks that are in these communities. There are many people that live in so many communities across this city. They want people held accountable. They want to feel safe in their neighborhoods. Hardworking people in so many of these communities across this city that want to know that they have a police department that is, is again, doing the job that they've been sworn to do. And, and so um, I encourage our officers to continue doing the work that they've been doing. They've been doing some amazing work. I mean, the fact that we're down, uh, you know, almost 20% in homicides, the fact that we're down 25% in shooting victims, 21% down in shooting incidents, that's a key indi indicator that our folks are doing some amazing work each and every day. Carjacking is down 40 percent. Um, and I can go on and on. But at the end of the day, that's the amazing work that they're doing. They need to be supported. They need to be um, encouraged to do that. And again, you know, when we get that and we see that, that makes them feel better about doing the job and makes them understand that the job that they're doing every day, it matters.
Are we have time for one more question? Folks, 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 we have time for one more question. Max, over here. So, I mean, the reality is that we would like to increase, you know, staffing and patrols everywhere. That's why we, you know, have a robust um, effort around recruitment and trying to employ more officers. Um, we have strategically looked at all of the units across this, this department, all of the areas across this department that require staffing and have tried to make adjustments. And so the airport is no different. Uh, we have a mandate of having a certain staffing level that we must keep there, and we do that. And so um, is there a, a, a want or a desire to have more officers in a lot of places throughout the city? Absolutely. But we have to be realistic as to what we have available to us um, and what the needs require at that time. And, and those have been met um, down there in terms of we'll continue to look at staffing, whether it's at the airport or whether it's at, you know, the 21 districts that cover the city. But we'll continue to look at that. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think what the commissioner said there, the acting commissioner, he, he, he called out without saying it. The fact is that in the city of Philadelphia, they're not convicting these people. They're arresting them. They're charging them. But they're not getting convicted and sent away. And that is the problem. A lot to digest from that. We've lost a Philadelphia police officer. We have another one fighting for his life. And you heard the commissioner say it. He said it's because we have rampant criminality in the city and people believe there's no consequences. He said it very, very well. Okay. Uh, it's important to hear that. I hope everybody will, you know, say a prayer for this officer who's recovering, fighting for his life right now in the hospital. And um, we'll take a break. Dr. Wilford Riley is going to come back. Uh, tough job, these cops. They have a tough job. And all we can do is support them, like the commissioner said. It's all we can do. But I tell you, I like this guy a lot better than the last one because he's a cop's cop. You can tell that already. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back live from the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. And uh, don't go away. Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. All right, welcome back live from the Grand Hotel of K-Bay, New Jersey. Yes! What an amazing, amazing crowd we have today. I just, uh, real quick, I met a guy who's on the job, law enforcement officer. I, can I give you a shirt, though, at least? Can we give you a Zulu Army shirt? All right, can you catch? Because that's the rule, you got to be able to catch. All right, you look like you need an XL, I'm guessing. I mean, you're ripped. All right, you got an XL? All right, see, we, the rule is you got to be able to catch it. You don't have to do that. I'm happy to do it, all right? It's an honor for you to wear that. Thank you. Stay safe, okay? God bless you. All right, we're going to do more of that, all right? We're going to do more, but I got to go to my buddy, Wilfred Riley, because he's waiting right now. Well, first, wait, actually, first, before, Prof, just hang on one second, Doc, because Ray is coming to the broadcast with his liberal wife. Ray, are you on your way? 
Jess, I'm on my way with my liberal wife. We are now uh, on the Garden State Parkway, approximately okay. 24 miles away from you. Uh, I see you're throwing T-shirts. You don't have to throw T-shirts to her. We just have to hand it to her. It's a birthday weekend. Uh, she tried to delay me, but I made it. I, 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 I made so happy. It. I dropped the kids off to the in-laws, whatever they feed them tonight. That's their problem. I made it. Right. I'm coming. I agree. Uh, good. Listen, we can't we wait to meet you see. and the liberal wife. So, so we'll see in about what half hour you said. Uh, uh, well, this GPS is saying twenty six miles. So I'll be at five forty one. Hopefully, right, I have a room. All right, I don't know. If I don't have a room, tell right. Henry to book me a room. We'll, we'll try to get your room. We'll see. If we know we got a guy. All right, Ray. Listen, thank you, buddy. Drive safe. We'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. All right. Can't wait to meet the liberal wife. I can't wait. All right. Dr. Wilfred Riley, he was the author, of course, of a new book coming out, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. I don't know if it's the same person or not. Hello, Professor uh, Riley. How are you today? Uh, doing pretty well. What about you? Well, we're live in Cape May, and everybody's having a great time, and most of the people here are drunk, so how do you think we're doing? <laughs> Uh, probably probably better than me. I'm in my office right now uh, sending emails to an insurance company. <laughs> that doesn't sound like much fun. All right, we got a lot to talk about with uh, college campuses and uh, what's going on. The level of hatred by these college kids out there, uh, the level of support for Hamas and these terror attacks. Uh, somebody put it best, you know, for years colleges have been telling students about microaggressions and here you have these students out there chanting in defense of Hamas. It's, uh, it's, it's really an upside down time. What, what's, your, what's your sense of all this? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a big deal. Like, this is Klan rally level stuff to some extent. When people are actually chanting, you know, from the river to the sea and waving Hamas flags, don't exaggerate. We've seen one or two uh, Daesh, which is ISIS flags in the, the rally pictures. And I, I think this is a useful reminder that people often believe what they say. I mean, as an academic, even as a business consultant, I've, li I've been in a lot of meetings where people are trying to interpret what Osama bin Laden, for example, meant. And they're reading through his comments like the Quran compels me to fight the unbeliever and kill the Jew. And they're saying, well, what they're really seeking is some land concessions and so on. And my impression has always just been as a simple man, like maybe he just thinks the Quran is telling him to kill Jewish people and fight the West. So it's, it's the same with a lot of this stuff that we're seeing come out of the campus. Like when people are talking about decolonization, what that means in practice is get rid of all these white and other people living on Indian land. I mean, when people say that they're, they favor resistance and then participate in BLM-style riots or go to a Hamas rally, they mean that literally, like they favor fighting against the government of the USA or Britain or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, you have free speech in the United States, but I, I hopefully it opens the minds. Like when you refer to your buddy's liberal wife, hopefully it opens the minds of a lot of good faith teachers and iron workers and other union members that, that vote with the left just out of habit. Like, no, this is this is what they mean. Didn't really have a follow up there, but I mean, it, it is it is surprising no. to see like the Palestinian and the Hamas flags. No, it, it really is. And the, you know, the, there's an old saying, I guess, when people show you who they are, believe them, you know, the level of hatred that, that they're showing, you say it's clan level stuff. I think that that's very, very accurate here. I mean, Hamas wants to kill the Jews. They, they, want, to, they want to eradicate them, but they also want to eradicate, I mean, they, they would love to kill these infidel college kids, you know, they, who, who support the, uh, the rainbow flag, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the funniest things about this. Like, when you see the signs that say, like, queers for Palestine or right. sluts for Palestine, we saw the other day as part of the quote-unquote slut walk. Like, I don't... People seem to be thinking that there's kind of one unified left that's fighting one unified right. So, like, all of the, the guys in suits are over here, and then everyone on the other side has kind of an ideology that brings them together and makes them friends. And, and even at the level of race, this, this doesn't exactly make sense. Like, if a black guy in Los Angeles walks into a Korean-American guy's store, they don't just slap each other in the ass and say, hey, teammate. But at the level of, at the level of like, gay rights and Islam, it becomes almost funny. Like, you, you do see these banners in the USA and Germany, like, feminists for Hamas. So I, I don't know if it, there's just a profound ignorance there or if people are so dedicated to their cause that they're willing to pick almost any allies. But, of course, yes, if you, if you actually went to the Gaza Strip, like, Mia Khalifa would not be, would not be well-treated there. No, no, that's the, that's the porn star you're talking about, Mia Khalifa, right, who came out in support of Hamas and said she hates the yeah. Jews and everything. Yeah, yeah, they, they would behead her. Well, yeah, and I mean, it, it's just this weird dichotomy. Like, she was posting these sort of raunchy Western jokes, like what Israel's doing is hard to swallow on Twitter with, like, her Palestinian flag talking about, like, going to do an adult shoot. She was a Playboy content creator and and actually got fired by Playboy. Like, all these, these porn companies were saying that she was too publicly offensive for them. But, the yeah, the idea that you could be a female sex worker in the Gaza Strip is not real. So, <laughs> there's, there's a, I mean, I, that wasn't even intended as a joke. Like, there, there's a suspension <laughs> of belief. Like, we're fighting the white man over here, so anything goes. Right, um, right. Well, it's like, and, and whatever the cause is today, si- sign me up for that. You know, if oh, they, oh, this is the cause. Uh, I'm in. There's oppressed people. Well, then, uh, then I'm on their side, obviously. And and then there it is. You know, and you and you don't stop for a minute to go. You know that you're next, right? If they get their way, I mean, you're you're next. You 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 do strip shows. You do sex shows. You have had sex with other women. Like they would love to kill you. They would make. They put your head on a stake. They would. They would be happy to do that. But, but people yeah, I mean, don't see that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big porn guy, but I mean, I went to college. You know, Mia Khalifa's start in the adult industry was her having sex with a bunch of dudes while wearing a hijab. So, I mean, there's actually a fatwa out on Mia Khalifa, or at least there was, from uh, Al-Qaeda, one of the oldest and you know, longest tenured Muslim radical groups, because right. they said that she was defiling good Muslim women. But... I think that there's a very serious ideology under the funny stuff here. And the serious ideology is essentially that all people and all groups are the same, culturally, genetically, everything else. Men and women are also pretty much the same. So when you see someone underperforming someone else, when you see like a drugged out homeless lunatic, what you're actually seeing is the result of oppression. The only reason someone would be doing so much worse than someone else is that someone hurt them. So when you see a criminal or a hobo or a terrorist, what you're actually seeing is a victim. And you need to kind of put that person on side and go look with him for the person that hurt him. In in reality, this is just BS. Some cultures are worse than others. Some people have, unfortunately, that tendency toward addiction that destroys so many lives. But that's, that's not the classical leftist idea. So when someone says in every situation there's an oppressor and oppressed, we're going to always fight with the oppressed. That's a really sweeping statement. 
that would make a porn star or a prostitute side with Hamas. And it, when we talk about this as adults, it's not really that simple. Like in prison, I guess the guards would be the oppressors and the prisoners would be the oppressed, but no one in their right mind would side with the prisoners. It's just hard to tell that to a fanatic. Like it's hard to tell a fanatic anything. Well, actually, I just I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people on the left who do side with the prisoners. I mean, you got people out there trying to get Mumia Abu Jamal out of prison because they say this guy is a victim of the racist. I mean, everybody knows this guy is guilty. He did it. He killed Officer. Uh, I mean, Danny Faulkner. And yet, it amazes me how his wife Maureen has to fly back from California every time this guy is in court. She flies back to Cal from California to deal with this guy in in court. And you've got actors and celebrities and, and ice cream companies who are out there like, yeah, he's, you know, yeah, he's, he's innocent. There's this, this, this tendency, this cause celeb thing that occurs in these situations where they go, yeah, if somebody said he's innocent, he must be innocent. And there's no, it's like the same thing. They're not willing to check facts, details, read case files, read reports. I'll give you another great example. I mean, yesterday, Matthew Shepard's death came again. Oh, yeah. The left speaking about how this was the worst gay hate crime in America. We named a law after him, the Matthew Shepard Stop Hate Crime Act or whatever it's called. And Matthew Shepard's death, while violent and tragic, had nothing to do with the fact that Matthew Shepard was gay. And yet we have built a, a lie and a narrative around this for 25 years to help advance the cause of the left and to help advance their, their consolidation of power. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I would say, imagine what the George Floyd story will look like in 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you, there's, there's going to yeah. be at least one big budget George Floyd movie. I mean, I actually know some people in that business, and that's something that's been pitched, although so far rejected. So, I mean, it, one of the things that I realized writing my new book, uh, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, and what's which not is a available plug, for for, uh, for pre order <laughs> at Amazon.com, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. You better order it today. Go ahead. Also, at fine bookstores anywhere near you. But like, is a, it out yet? About, is it wait? Whoa, whoa! Is it out? Uh, well, bookstore websites. It's not. It's oh, not actually oh, okay, on bookstores. Okay, it won't okay. be. Won't be. Right. Won't be for more than a month. Good. Good. Good point. Good correction. But I mean, one thing I noticed when looking through kind of history for that book is that a lot of the stories from the past, like Matthew Shepard, comes to mind. Uh, for that matter, Emmett Till was brutally murdered, but two of the killers were black. A lot of the stories that we've heard over the years, over the decades, about the past, aren't necessarily any more real than the stories we're seeing today. So, I mean, like Jacob Blake, Michael Brown, all of those people are now making their way into history books. And Hands Up, Don't Shoot has two pages in the freshman year textbook I use. So you have to ask yourself, I mean, given how long there's been that fight between capitalists and Marxists in the West, is what we know about history, that it was impossible to be black in the U.S. North in 1955, like, is that any more true than what we're hearing today? But that, that's a separate conversation. The, the idea of, uh, by the way, I had a free Mumia shirt when I was in college. You had one? I mean, just, yeah, just because I was stupid when I was in college. Right. Yeah, I mean, but like, there's, that's, a, that's a huge thing on the campus, because most people who come out of American, just ordinary public high schools, like we both probably did, or even the neighborhood Catholic school, are, are surrounded by kind of conventional liberal perspectives without even really knowing that. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like just the conservatives working the refs. It's kind of real. Like, I, I didn't think about voting for the Republicans until I was maybe 28, started making money. 
you know, 70% of young people or vote in the leftward direction when they vote at all. And it's just because of that campus culture, like where people are walking around in Sheikh Wabara shirts, right. uh, free Mumia, free Palestine. I mean, you can buy the Palestinian flag in a couple of bookstores on campuses here in Kentucky. And this isn't, you know, the most progressive state or the shirt with it on, whatever that college kid shirt is. Mm-hmm. So when you come out of that environment, you think that a lot of things are true that kind of aren't. And when you, again, start working for money and you read some Thomas Sowell or Friedman and you, you start hearing about this other perspective, you might change your mind. But I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that you're seeing crowds of kids on, on college campuses chanting free, free Palestine. Because to them, Palestine is the oppressed, and so they're the good guy. But you are smart enough to know you were wrong and change your mind because you're willing to look at evidence and facts and form conclusions and realize that you were lied to, hence the name of the book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me. A lot of them are not. There was another shirt that I saw in the uh, show The Looming Tower on Hulu, which is actually an excellent show. When they first tried to get bin Laden back in the late 90s, a popular shirt back then was a picture of Osama bin Laden with the words, you missed. And people in New York City used to walk around wearing that shirt with, oh, with, with Osama bin Laden's face on it. You missed. It was, a, it was, again, because it was like, oh, the big bad America tried to kill, you know, this poor oppressed guy in the mountains of uh, Afghanistan or, Palestine, or Pakistan, wherever he was back then. And, uh, and that was the thing. So that became the thing. So then you wore that shirt to show that you're on team Osama bin Laden. Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, it's important to realize, like, most of these people don't really know, like, the level of evil that's represented by, the, you know, the existential enemies of the West. So, like, when I had a free Mumia shirt, I didn't, I'll try to censor the cursing that comes naturally, like a bar or something, but, like, I didn't really know who Mumia was, like Mumia Abu-Jamal. Right. It was just, the idea was, you know, like... I think I bought it from a member of the Alpha's fraternity who was doing a clothing sale. And the idea was just, yeah, you know, they hemmed that brother up. They threw him in jail. And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I oppose black men going to jail for no reason. So you're not doing, like, when some bisexual college raver girl is wearing a Che Guevara shirt, she's not actually saying, you know, I stand with this cruel fanatic who killed gay people. Che is just a symbol. He's like the Nike sign for hippies. You know, you're saying, okay, I oppose the patriarchy or something. And you imagine that this guy would, too, because you're surrounded by these kind of semi-lies all the time. And kind of last thing, but I think that's why there's such a crazy reaction when you actually point out what goes on in these kind of conflicts that even we do, but that our enemies are far, far worse with. So, I mean, on Twitter today, I got into an argument with uh, Brianna Joy, who's Bernie Sanders' former chief of staff, I think but pleasant, preppy black woman. But she posted a status saying, like, look, I refuse to believe that these videos of Hamas, like beheading babies and raping people, are real. These are just lies that are being put out to to kind of show, to destroy the idea of an equivalence between Hamas and Israel. No one would do that stuff. This is AI. And, I mean, I responded. I was like, I mean, I'm a political science professor. Like, this is an interview with a Hamas fighter who explains, like, you know, they abuse female captives, and sometimes male ones, too. And... The idea was just like, no, I don't believe that. That guy's an Israeli agent. It's very, very hard to tell people that what they've existentially been taught, like the first 30 years of their lives, is wrong. And this goes into a lot of deep things. Like housewives, on average, say they're much happier than feminist businesswomen. You can pick either path as a woman or a man, but it's, it's tough to tell someone that the thing they've thought for most of their life isn't true, even if you're using numbers. 
Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like, th- well, think about it from this perspective, too. When uh, they learn that Hamas, for example, is doing all these things, and th- there's also the tendency to wonder, okay, is this just the military-industrial complex doing this to get us into war? Because, you know, we, 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 have, we have seen false evidence of things. We have seen lies of things. And so there are people who are skeptical at first who might say, all right, we got to make sure we get all the truth here, get all the details, and make sure that this is what's really happening. But that's not the group we're talking about. We're talking about people here that are denying that Hamas is capable of doing these things. And that, that, that to me boggles my mind because this, I mean, Hamas is openly saying that this is what they want to do. Like they're like, it's, it's, it's their mission statement. You know, it's, a, it's like, here's the mission statement. We want to kill the Jews, the Catholics. And oh, by the way, other Muslims who we feel are infidel Muslims who don't live the, according to our version of, of Islamic law. I mean, literally the Republic of Iran was started because they, they said the House of Saud were a bunch of fake uh, Muslims. Fugazi Muslims. So, uh, you know, they want to destroy Saudi Arabia. I mean, the the idea that it's just get rid of the Jews in the Middle East and everything's going to be kumbaya over there is another crock that I think these college students have been fed over time. Yeah, and it it also... it all ties back to this one ideology where there's some good people and some bad people and there's no complexity. So, like, Israel is targeted by radical students and by terrorist groups for the same reason that South Africa was to some extent, because it's an easy case that you can separate into kind of the white colonizers versus the brown Arabs or something. Now, of course, Arabs are technically white, and the the whole region was colonized by the Arabs long before the Jews got there. But, like, I mean, some kid sitting around with a blunt in his hand doesn't want to listen to all this stuff. It looks like it's a simple case. So, like, South Africa was one of the least violent African countries during the period when we were placing all these sanctions on them and so on down the line. Like, they had racial tensions between their two major groups, but we could have just brought those people to the table as opposed to, you know, cutting the economy in half and all that. It was just, that was the target because it was whites versus blacks. And it's easy to say, even though, again, the blacks were the Zulus who've been known to fight. Um, it was just easy to say, well, look at these innocent victims, look at these brutal oppressors. Of course, what's happened in South Africa is that now the black majority is in power and they're being just as oppressive because people are people. But no one wants to listen to some complex windbaggery that ends with people are people. People, people want to have their idea like, oh, look, you know, the, the, the old Boer flag is flying. That's the enemy banner. Tear it down. We'll put up our flag with the rainbows and the eagles. You know, so <laughs> we're seeing that with Palestine now. But yeah, Not I mean, in reality, fight. Hamas is a almost apocalyptic group. I think they were the group that said we're going to turn the Middle East into a lake of fire. Yeah. Like, they're, they don't have legitimate normal goals. Yeah, their goal is killing all the Jews and all the Saudis. I mean, that's, yeah, that's and, it. And, it's not going to happen, but that, that's what they want to do. Yeah, and, and so, so, so the, woke, the woke girl with rainbow hair at Haverford, who goes by uh, they, them, is not going to fare so well in their, in their jihad. You know what I mean? Uh, I think they're up there with al-Qaeda. And I, I mean, ISIS, too. I mean, let's not forget ISIS. They wanted, I mean, that was their whole thing, was to bring about a caliphate, the end of the freaking world. Like, it, it was not, there was no middle ground. I don't know how you sit down and have a conversation with people like that. I mean, it's one thing if you say, all right, you know, we're fighting over economy, natural resources, we're fighting fighting over this and we're fighting over tariffs. How the hell do you sit down and negotiate at a table with somebody who believes my purpose on earth is that my God wants me to behead you? How do you reason with somebody like that? 
Well, it's, I mean, it's pretty difficult, and that's why we have a very poor record. I've finished fighting in the Middle East for 20 years, I and mean, we lost 20,000 men, killed half a million people. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to have a conversation with someone like that. But, yeah, it, I guess if I have a point here, it's all people, certainly at the group level, are not, in fact, equal. I don't, I don't think that's genetic, but there are massive cultural differences. There are massive religious differences. For that matter, there are massive regional differences. I mean, in the South, people study half as much in the USA as they do in the North. They're better athletes. People are, people are different. And when you encounter difference, it's important to understand what it is. Like, Islam is a younger religion than Christianity. So a lot of Muslims genuinely believe that their duty is to fight for an all-Islamic world. It's called the Ummah. Like, the idea of the caliphate is that peace will come when there's one Islamic ruler over the whole planet, which is probably even technically true, but the, the point is that all the Christians and the Jews don't plan on converting. <laughs> so, in reality, this just leads to bloody wars every time someone proposes it. But if you, if you refuse to take the idea of the caliphate seriously, like, if you try to tie this into your understanding of communism or feminism or some other glib left-wing cause— you're going to be what's called a useful idiot. Like, you're going to be doing things that will help advantage these people that want to destroy you. And we're, we're seeing a lot of that right now. And last thing, but this, this actually ties into some more serious stuff, like immigration policy, for example. Like, if people from certain regions of the world, certainly not the Saudis or whatever, but if people from, say, Palestine are very inclined to think that the West should be destroyed and they mean it, do you bring them in large numbers into the biggest Western cities? That's another question that you're never supposed to ask, but that you're starting to see people look at. When you see there was a, was a march of 10,000 people in Montreal that got into a giant brawl with the Jewish yeah. community. Like those are, those are real questions you have to tackle because people mean what they say. They do. They really do. And uh, last thing I want to ask you before I let you go, okay. uh, Yesterday, Dylan Mulvaney received the Woman of the Year Award. Now, I have two, two thoughts on this. Number one, I feel like at a minimum, to apply for that award, you should have to chop off your penis. I think just as a, like as a, like as a minimum, like a minimum requirement. There should be an essay, but also I feel as if a chop should have to be required. Now, number, number two, even if you chop off your penis, you're still not a woman. But Dylan Mulvaney was up there going, no matter what I do, no matter how many surgeries I get, no matter how many outfits I wear, the haters will never accept me as a woman. And what I said was, no, I'm sorry, science will never accept you as a woman. But we're the haters. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're, we're not the haters. I mean, it, it's not especially difficult to figure out what a woman is. This, this, to me, is one of the craziest things that's going on in society right now. Uh, one of my friends, Tay Day, online, actually commented on this and was like, you know, the, mo the woman of the year has that D. Like, these beauty standards are getting more and more unrealistic for us women. And it was just pretty funny. Like, how am I going to get one of those? And, I mean, thousands of people were, you know, commenting and, you know, roasting that Dylan. But this, this, I think, is something else like the idea that people mean what they say, that normal citizens are going to have to stand up and start talking about. This is, this is the second year in a row that a man has won Woman of the Year, right? Yes. Yeah, it was Rachel right, Levine right. and then Dylan Mulvaney. Rachel Levine and then Dylan Mulvaney. Woman of the year. And, you know, I would be very, very upset. I mean, I would think women would turn around and go, you couldn't find 
one of us? I mean, there's how many billions of us in the world? You couldn't, you couldn't pick one of us to, to be woman of the year? I mean, that's to some extent, like, if you're, if you're being a little sexist as a guy, this is pretty funny. I mean, like, you know, one of the best-known models in the country the year before that, a flag rank admiral. I mean, like, the guys are great at being women. You know, it's that male aggression. We're just going out there. We're taking all the prizes. You're not winning first place in that bike race while I'm here, lady. You know, so... <laughs> You know why? It's because we're still better drivers, whether you identify as a man or... (laughs) Oh, lighten up, people. Wait till it it comes to the WNBA. That's all I'm saying. We'll make it watchable. You know, there'll be six foot nine women out there throwing behind the back bounce passes. Big, you know, black and Russian guys. I mean, gals. It's going to be amazing. You know, like, but obviously the point of this, like where where men are on the phone at a party event making fun of the woman of the year. Like, yes, if I were a woman, I would be absolutely outraged by this. And I think that a lot of normal people who are probably nicer than me or you, whether you're talking about just regular women, whether you're talking about those kids on a college campus who understand what Hamas is, whether you're talking about like nice kind of milk toast bosses that are watching, you know, people they might hire do this stuff. Ordinary people have to stand up and start saying, no, this is absolutely crazy. Like, just like we did with the worst stuff on the right prejudice 50 years ago. We're not going to put up with this right now. Like, of course, the, the most significant woman in this country doesn't have a penis. And when that happens, I think this stuff will recoil back into the box really quickly because most people know women don't have penises. Right. And I, I'm tired of having to lie and pretend like that, 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 you know, the truth doesn't matter because I think that truth matters. There, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a point to truth in life. And to have to lie about that, it's like I said, you know, if I... I could get scales put on my body. I could have a, a tail surgically put on my body. Gills. Put, I'm, I'm still not a freaking fish. And, like, I'm not going to turn around and go, you haters, no matter how many fish surgeries I get, you people will never look. Because if somebody lets me swim across the ocean, I'm going to drown. I'm not a fish. And it's just, can we, we just have to be able to say that. But really, truth for its own sake was something that I learned a long time ago when I joined my fraternity in college. Truth for mm-hmm. its own sake is a virtue, period. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, it's not just that truth is good in and of itself. It's that truth is that thing which lets reality be known to everyone. So if you're not allowed to say things in kind of the exchange of ideas that are accurate, the exchange of ideas is incomplete, and people believe, end up believing things that are less good in almost the Christian sense than they otherwise would. So I, I think the saving grace here is that no one actually believes any of this stuff. Like, I think I told you, probably even before I got on the air once, that on one of my social media pages once, I posted an actual academic survey monkey link, and just totally anonymously, like there's no way you could be identified, asked people, do you believe that, for example, some women have nine-inch penises, which is an old joke from Gadsat. There were like three or four questions, and the percentage of people that said yes was like two. It was 1.9. I expected it to be about 30. Like, I have like my kind of bro audience, but also all their, you know, feminist girlfriends and wives. Like, I didn't think it was going to be two, but that's what it is. Like, a very small group of people are saying a lot of this crazy crap, like Hamas are the peacemakers, and everyone else has been kind of silenced into pretending they believe it for maybe four or five years now of kind of this weird cultural frenzy, like the golden statues of George Floyd and so on. 
And I, I think that's ending, and it's up to normal adults to help end it more quickly. So let's do that. Let's do it together. Boom. All right. Always a pleasure, my friend. Listen, lies my liberal teacher told me. Pre-order it today. This is a guy. You got to read his stuff. Dr. Wilford Riley. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Above it's the 5 yeah. o'clock happy hour. Happy hour. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. Where's everybody going, by the way? Where are you going? Bathroom? Bar? Okay, I'm going to do a Zioli Army t-shirt uh, throw. Is you guys leaving? Everybody leaving? Is the bar. They run to the bar. I love it. I love it. It's the greatest audience in the history of radio. We fight for freedom, we fight for liberty, and we fight to get ahead of everybody else in, at the bar. Like, I gotta, get, I gotta get there before that guy. What, can you, I gotta throw. I'm gonna throw in a couple minutes. I gotta, I gotta work on my pitching arm. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, you know, it's, it's not easy to admit when you were wrong, and uh, I give uh, Wilford Riley credit for admitting that he was wrong as a college kid. Like, I think that that's great. I was, too. I mean, as a college kid, I, it wasn't until I read Thomas Sowell that my eyes were opened up, which is why I think he should be required reading for every single high school student in this country. And I'll go a step further. I think that if a school does not have Dr. Thomas Sowell's books, we should scream that there's a book ban and demand they carry them. What do you think? I love Thomas Let's do it. We love Thomas Sowell. All right, I'm way late here, though. I got to do this. I got to do a live read. So, when you are involved in an accident, you need a lawyer to help you maximize your recovery and get the fair value of your case. Don't assume the insurance company is going to take care of you and value your case fairly. Insurance companies are big businesses, and they are concerned with one thing, and that's their bottom line. So, you need my buddy. You need the law offices of Thomas G. Skopinich. Tom has been serving the greater Delaware Valley for over 25 years, and he's helped many clients. With offices located in Lansdale, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, let Tom help you maximize your recovery and get the fair value for your case. Prior to starting his own practice, Tom Skopinich used to work for and on behalf of insurance companies, which gives him a unique understanding when they are fighting your case. So contact Tom online today at scopelawyer.com, S-C-O-P-E lawyer.com, or call him at 215-624-2211 and get what you deserve. Tom Skopinich, scopelawyer.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right. I want to thank Kathy Lorenzo. She's a baker, and she baked me Zioli Army cookies. Look at these with the Zioli Army logo on them, huh? Oh, those are very impressive. Look at that. Very nice, right? She's got her bakery. She's on Instagram at RollWitchMe. RollWitchMe. So, Kathy, thank you. That was very nice. You did a great job with these. Well done. I can't get my cheap-ass company to bake me Pillsbury cookies with a Zioli (laughs) Army logo. Sorry, dump that. Don't let them hear that. Shh. Greg is listening to. Don't tell Walter I said that. And don't tell the corporate chill Darth Stalker. <laughs> but it's true. Just like Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's bastard love child. <laughs> That's not true. That's the official stance of the Zioli uh, show is that Justin Trudeau is the son of 
Pierre Trudeau. <clears throat> Allegedly. He's... <laughs> Justin Trudeau's a bastard love child. I just said I had to say it, okay? I didn't get it off my back. He is not. Yes, he is. We all know he is. All right, welcome back. We're happy. You guys having fun? Everybody having a good time? All right. I got a, uh, I got a, I got a one more small Zioli Army lady shirt. All right, come on up with orange there, because I can't throw to you. Here we go. All right, here we go. You got to catch this, okay? There you go. Boom! Oh. Nice catch. I still have beanies, though. I got hats. I got hats. All right. Well, we're going to throw these out. All right. Let me throw one in the back. Here we go. There's no way it's making to the back. These are not aerodynamic. Oh, these are not aerodynamic. That was incomplete. I'm going to need help throwing hats. All right. Here we go. Try like this, like a Frisbee. Here we go. Ready? Oh, that actually worked pretty well. I hit the chandelier and it broke. The whole chandelier (laughs) just came down. (laughs) You were right, Melissa. It's about $42,000 of damage I just did there. <laughs> Ask me if I care. I don't. All right. All right. Here we go. Ready? All right. Here we go. Wait. Am I a lefty or a righty? Hang on. Here we go. This is great radio. This is... Whoa! Look at that. Oh, Bob! <laughs> He's like, I don't want this. You damaged his chandelier. Yeah, it's only you, right that he gets it. You a broke hat. my chandelier. You drink all my booze. You eat my food. I'm not... I don't want your stinking hat. All right. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Whoa! Oh, like a frisbee. Punch, just clock him in the face. Punch him in the. That's what you got to do. You've been All warned right. not to hit the smoke detectors ah, either. All oh, the smoke detectors. Or the sprinkler system. Don't okay. warn me to do it. You tell me to do so, not to do something. I'm going to do it. Like I'm literally going to aim for the smoke detectors now. <laughs> Don't target the, the sprinkler sprinkler's. system. At some point, you people are going to learn. Don't tell. Tell me the opposite of what you t- say. Hit the sprinkler, and then I won't. Uh, earlier they said don't hit the chandelier and you violated that rule i literally did that was beautiful uh all right we got an update on the speaker race now here's where we stand right now on a second vote gauging whether members would support jim jordan on the house floor the vote tally was and don't groan yet because it's it's actually good news 152 yes and 55 no which means Jordan has increased his support by 28 members. Right. Compared with the first vote in which he defeated Scott in 124 to 81 votes. So members are coming his way. What? I, I can't hear you, though, because I've got headphones on, and you've you got to call the show. 855 <laughs> No, I, I can't hear. I got these headphones on. Uh, members have been advised that no votes are expected in the House until approximately 6 p.m. on Monday, October 16th. Am I working that day? Who knows? Uh, according to an email by NBC News to Majority Whip Tom Emmer's office. Okay, that's where things stand right now. So the good news is he's gaining traction. The bad news is he still doesn't have the votes yet. Okay? That's where things are right now. Um, let me share this with you. I would like to share this with you. Count Grand Stangela, Spartacus Booker, and the Tears of Rage Band. That's Cory Booker. He is a fraud. He represents New Jersey in the U.S. Senate. He has, Boo is right. He has now come out and said that he believes that Senator Bob Menendez should go. We have the audio of Senator Booker. Yep, calling on Senator Menendez to go. Cut number three. Do you think he should step down? Yes. 
Let me just say. Yes. You know, and let me pontificate because I love the sound of my own voice. God, keep playing it. Go I ahead. This is more personal to me than any other senator. Oh, Bob shut up. It is not. Together for 10 years. He's been my senior senator. Nothing in these indictments uh, comport with the man I know. Mm-hmm. Their indictments mm-hmm. are shocking. Shocking. Sensational. Sensational. And I defended him in his first. Uh, in, uh, All right. That's crime. enough of that. I got bored. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> You got 20 seconds. I got 20 seconds in. in, and I'm done with him the way that he, he grandstands. I will tell you, though, it is interesting to me. I have a theory, and I'm telling you right now, I've been in Jersey politics literally since I was in junior high school. I got involved in Republican politics in junior high school for a guy named, let's go, Brandon. Good job, my man. I like that. With the Zeal the Army shirt. I like it. So, you want to do a let's go, Brandon chip? All right, go ahead. Lead it, lead it, lead it. It's for Brandon Marsh, right? No, I'm just teasing. All right, listen, I got involved in politics when I was in junior high school, and uh, I've been involved in Jersey politics my whole life. So Bob Menendez is guilty as sin. Everybody knows that. But it's the timing of all this that makes you think. Now, I have a theory I'm going to share with you, and call me crazy if you've heard this before. The real president of the United States right now is a guy named Barack Obama. The doddering old fool who fell up the stairs again today is not really running the country. Where's my puppet? Bring out the puppet, DeSantis. Barack Obama is pulling the strings like the godfather, and Barack Obama hates Israel and the United States of America, for that matter. And Barack Obama... Wants to see, yeah, bring over Obama's puppet, Joe Biden. Here we go. And what we got to have is, we got to have the puppet fall upstairs. I don't know if we can accomplish that, but let's put the puppet here, right there, okay? Now, you say the following. Iran is good. Go ahead. Say, that's what he does, right? <laughs> There's no evidence Iran did anything wrong. It's just like, you know, he just pulls the strings. We're going to give them $6 billion. Iran did nothing wrong. And you go, how do you say all this? Because that's what his, his master, Barack Obama, wants him to say. Now go back to sleep. Get him some pudding. Can you guys, can somebody get me a drink at the bar? I just need pudding for the president's puppet. Uh, that's right. He does like his ice cream. You're right about that. Now, so Barack Obama wants to make Iran a nuclear power. Does that make sense to anybody in the room? Oh, right. Now, it's, like, it's one thing if you sit back and you go, all right, well, you know, Iran's going to do what Iran's going to do. But, but under President Obama, we said we're going to help Iran become a nuclear power. Think about that for a moment. And we're going to give them billions of dollars of money to become a nuclear power. It was around the same time that Bob Menendez on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee objected, put out some very forceful statements saying that Iran should not be allowed to get a nuclear uh, reactor. And he came out and he was very vocal about this. That's exactly the same time. Sir, do you need me to close these blinds for you? I feel bad. DeSantis, can you do something useful for once, please? And close the blinds. This poor man. I'm on it. You know, thank you. Where was I? So, um, by the way, we bust chops because we like each other. Don't send an email, uh, Karen. What's her name? Who's the one that sent the email? You stop. You stop. You're so mean to DeSantis. Actually, that's my mother who sent that email, I think. <laughs> Richie, why are you so mean to Maddie? Works so hard for you. 
He's the best producer ever. Why are you so mean to him? Because we like each other. If I didn't like him, he wouldn't be here today, which is why Henry's not here. No, I'm just kidding. Henry, I love Henry, but he couldn't be here for whatever reason. Um, so anyway, all right, so Menendez objects to that, and then all of a sudden the feds launch an investigation into him and Medicare payments, his buddy, Dr. Samuel Melgen. Now, they were ripping off Medicare to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. But the thing about it is everybody knew it was happening. He's going on flights to Epstein Island. He's going on flights. He's got hookers, the whole thing. Everybody knew he was dirty. But it wasn't until he came out against the Iran nuclear deal that the feds actually prosecuted Bob Menendez. Now, Again, he was guilty, and he's guilty now. But fast forward to what happened recently. The Joe Biden administration, the puppet, is told by Barack Obama, hey, Iran gets $6 billion. Okay. <laughs> Dad said to me, Iran's going to get six, $6 billion. $6 billion. <laughs> what do you think would happen if you gave him a Red Bull? I think he would perk up. Hi, honey. Yes, I'm playing with a puppet. That's my wife, everybody, by the way. Bridget, if you want to say hi. Shut up. <laughs> Wait, can I, can I turn this on? Is it on? Hang on a second here. One second here. That bird is way out of my league. But I'm loaded like an oligarch like Jeff Bezos. It's all about money. And that I've got a bigger package than Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> Compensation package. Get your heads out of the gutter, people. All right, so I keep getting distracted by this stupid puppet. Anyway, so Barack Obama tells Joe Biden, give Iran $6 billion now. And the nuclear enrichment program is going to go ahead that Trump canceled this. Remember, Trump gets into office and says, we stand with Israel and we're not going to allow Iran to develop a nuclear missile, a nuclear weapon, because they have said openly, you have to realize something. Despite what the media tells you, the corporate media in this country, despite what the left tells you in this country, Iran was formed in 1979 as the Republic of Iran after they uh, came to power, the Ayatollah, to be the Re Islamic Republic of Iran. Their constitution is all about living under their version of Islamic Sharia law. And they want to destroy Israel and also everybody else who doesn't fit into their narrative, Saudi Arabia, etc. So giving them a nuclear missile is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Trump kills the deal, stands with Israel. We move the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And Jared Kushner works on the Abraham Accords, which is the most significant Mideast peace accomplishment in years, I mean, in decades, right? The guy who was going to start World War III, the guy who was Hitler is able to forge an alliance between the Jewish state and also Arab states. That leads us to where we are recently, which is that Saudi Arabia and Israel are about to sit down together, and Saudi Arabia is about to recognize Israel's existence, which is a huge step for progress. Iran hates Saudi Arabia. I think it's what motivated Hamas to do these horrific, brutal terrorist attacks to try to stop that. And I think they, they, they are seemingly are accomplishing that as now the crown prince has come out and said he stands with Palestine. But Senator Menendez spoke out against giving Iran money. And all of a sudden, he gets indicted for something that was as old as 2019. 
2018, these allegations go back to 2019, 2018, when Egypt turns around and says, we're going to make this guy, you know, uh, Bobby Fotzenguitz over here is going to be the halal guy for the entire country of Egypt. And they go to Bobby Fotzenguitz. Do you know anything about halal? He's like, no, I don't even know how to spell it. They're like, that's all right. Menendez says you're good. He's the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. Egypt wants money. And these other Democrats and Republicans are trying to tie Egypt's money to their human rights record. Menendez says, don't worry about that. We'll get you the money. And you, but you got to make my friend the, the halal guy to certify all meat in your country as being certified under, uh, you know, Muslim law. The guy had no experience doing it. He gets the gig. Menendez gets all these kickbacks and everybody knows about this. this is all hiding in plain sight. There's a developer who's giving Menendez money. The New Jersey State Attorney General's office wanted to go after the guy in 2018. Menendez intervenes. The attorney general at the time or 2019, the attorney general at the time uh, backs away, walks away from this. So why does Menendez get indicted now? You see what I mean? Because he's a Democrat, but he's an outspoken critic on the Iran deal and giving Iran nuclear power and billions of dollars to do it. But Barack Obama is running this country and he wants Iran to get a nuclear weapon and he wants Iran to be recognized as part of the League of Nations. If you notice very carefully the White House's language, they are still not blaming Iran for any of these Hamas attacks. On the one side of their mouth, they'll say, yes, there's no doubt in our mind that Iran has been Hamas's biggest funder. And then five seconds later, they'll come out and go, but, 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 we have no evidence that Iran is involved. Or, but they didn't have the six billion yet, so there's no way they could have given Hamas the money. As if, as if Iran is a poor country with like a, you know, like a, like a latrine and some rich crackers and they need the six billion dollars. They're one of the richest countries because of their oil and the fact they've been selling it to Russia and China. But the United States of America right now wants to see Iran succeed. So what is going to happen here is Iran is going to be viewed as having nothing to do with this. Mark my words. I'm not wrong on this. Because the president of the United States, not the puppet who falls upstairs, not this guy, but the actual president, Barack Obama, is hell-bent on Iran getting a missile. Isn't that right, Joe? You corrupt bastard. And he's so corrupt, (laughs) he's just lucky to be there. Am I right? What did you say? You pooped your pants? You did? Okay. We can change you during the break. Okay. You want to go back to sleep? Yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, I got to do a live read, don't I? I'm way late, as usual. Shocking that I follow all these breaks. What I got to do now, Matt DeSantis? Nothing? Yeah, save the live read. Save the live read. We just go to break? Yeah. All right, we're, we're live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. We got a full house, and we're coming back. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rich Zioli. I sang this little ditty on our way through Ocean City. Heading south along the Jersey Shore 
On the way to Cape May, I fell in love with you. On the way to Cape May, I saw my dreams come true. I was taken by your smile as we drifted by sea. My heart was Kate May. All right, welcome back to the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. We are live. Uh, before I get to my guest, I want to bring up Ray and his liberal wife. They made it. Ray! <laughs> Ray! Come on up! And the liberal wife. We're, come on up. It's her birthday today. I, come on up, everybody. Listen. Ray called up me at the show a couple weeks ago. He said, Rich, I love you. I listen every day. I want to bring my wife, but I want to know, is everyone going to be nice to her? I said, this is the only army. the nicest people in the world. Of course we're going to be nice. And we're all going to sing happy birthday. What, now, what's your name? John Etta. Okay, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Why are you a liberal, John Etta? Happy birthday. See the light, John Etta. Who are you? Happy birthday, dear Janetta. Happy birthday to you. In fact, listen, I got for my liberal wife. Well, you're not my liberal wife, but no, you're not you. No, no, this is not about you. Oh, she walks in. No, my wife's not a liberal. But all right, Ray, we're going to convert her, okay? God bless you. Happy birthday. And I also said somebody would buy her a birthday drink. And that's not me, of course, because I never have any money. We got a drink? All right, beautiful. Our goal is going to get, we're going to get her so drunk tonight, she decides to become a Republican. <laughs> I have a voter registration form with me. Now, really, it's so great to see you guys. I'm really, uh, uh, I'm thrilled you came. I was so excited to meet Ray. Ray's been calling the show going, if I come, are you guys going to be nice? He was so <laughs> nervous. I said, we're the nicest people. All right. Uh, but I do want to check in with uh, our buddy John McNesby. He, of course, is the president of FOP Lodge 5 in Philadelphia. Uh, another very tough day for, uh, for the Philadelphia Police Department. John, thank you for making time today. It's an extremely busy day, and, and I appreciate it. How, how are you, how you, are you guys it. holding up? Yeah, it's been a long, long couple of days. But listen, we're, we, you know, we have to do what we have to do to make sure that we support the cops on the street and that we also get, uh, get these people in that did this to the to these officers. So that's key. Getting these people off the street as quick as possible and putting some closure to the family is uh, is what we're, we're what we're trying to do right now. John McNesby, as president of FOP Lodge 5, the union members, your your guys, your men and women in uniform, I thought today that the interim commissioner I felt like he had your back in calling out the fact that the convictions of these people are not happening in Philadelphia. He didn't mention Krasner's name, but I could feel, I could read between the subtext, and that's what he was saying, I think. Well, you know, if he set the bar high, so anybody that's going to try and take that job from him uh, is going to have a hard time. He will back the cops. He's going to stand by the cops, and uh, we have to send that message. And I think it's starting to it's starting to resonate around the city that this guy is no good for police. He's no good for the community. The community's not safe. You see exactly what's happening. There's no repercussions. They know nothing's going to happen to them, so they do what they want to do at will. And um, and we got to turn that around. I was very happy to see the other night that the chopper was 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 uh, in the air. 
shining a spotlight on the dirt bikes, the ATVs, and then the cops were impounding them and destroying them. I thought, bravo, well done. And I know that their hands were tied under the previous commissioner. And the interim commissioner said, the hell with it, we're doing it. We're going after these guys. I thought that was a great move. Right. And I think once we have the, uh, roll, you know, the roll calls up, we have the manpower up, that you're going to see a lot more different things. Uh, that are proactive to protect the community. And it's not going to be business as usual anymore in the city of Philadelphia. I think with a new mayor coming in, with this new commissioner, we're going to be able to send a message. We're going to take the city back. And the people are going to want to feel safe again. Uh, I mean, whoever, God, you know, who, whoever thought something like that would happen at the airport? I mean, you know, that sends a message threat. And that's on TV, on every major news station around the country. So that does not portray our city as safe. Uh, and people no. are not going to come here if it's not safe. So we have to turn that around and we have to do it quick. John, let's talk about the officer who lost his life. Uh, I have heard he was I met him once at the airport years ago. I, I just remember he had a, a, a huge smile on his face. He was a sweetheart of a man. And, and, and I know that everybody was heartbroken. I'm I mean, so, so horrific. Rich, he was in the 25th district, probably one of the busiest districts in the city of Philadelphia for almost 20 years. And then he gets transferred to the airport unit. And I'm not saying that that's a retirement spot, but it's it's a place where you're supposed to wind down to run out your career. And, and he's still doing the job, and, and look what happens to him. Um, and that should have never happened. He's just a great guy. And there was, there was in that emergency room last night and a lot of, uh, a lot of hurt cops. The officer is fighting for his life right now. Uh, any updates on that? He's... Uh, he's up. He's alert. Um, he hopefully will be discharged tomorrow. Um, we're getting word on that, but they're still doing some follow-up tests, making sure there's not going to be any infection or damage. But uh, he was very lucky. And, you know, I think uh, we really need to rally around him and uh, make sure that he knows that he did what he was supposed to do for his partner. And, and you know, this was the outcome. It's the outcome. But um, he did he did what he was supposed to do. And um, it just wasn't the outcome we wanted. John, I see that the uh, the FOP Lodge 5 is asking for donations to the Richard C. Mendez Memorial account. Um, is, that, is that what you'd like people to do to help out? Yeah, that's an account that's going to be it was set up through the uh, Police and Fire Federal Credit Union, and it's, it's directly, everything goes directly to the family. So it goes right to the bank and to the bank to the family. Um, and the FOP Lodge 5 Survivors Fund, is that, is that also going to be kicking in here as well? Yes, we'll kick in. We've also kicked in for a reward fund. We started out this morning, and within four hours, we're up close to $175,000. So that'll be payable for the arrest. You bring these scumbags in today, and they're paid, you're, you're paid today. So you, you give them up, and you're paid. It's not for the arrest, conviction, and everything else. Bring them in, and you're paid. I know there's a lot of people here. We're live in Cape May, John. There's a lot of people here that want to help. So um, go to the Lodge website if they want to make a donation. Is that the best thing to do? Yes. That'd be great. www.fop5thenumber.org. Larry Krasner is a cancer on the city. You and I have talked about this so many times. This guy has got to go. He's just destroying Philadelphia. I think that's his, that's his design. It's his purpose. And I'm so sick and tired of, of the way that he hates cops. And for him to come out today and blame the NRA for a, an officer being murdered, trying to stop criminals from stealing a car, and another officer almost losing his life, for him to come out and blame the NRA and, uh, and, and gun laws over this. This guy is just, he's out of control, well, John. 
he's going to blame anybody but himself. All he has to do is look in the mirror. He's no good. He's never been any good. He's been a career defense attorney his whole life. Um, the only one that seems to be getting arrested in Philadelphia are the police. And it's, you know, we're out there doing our job. He second guesses us. And it's, you know, his days are numbered. People are catching on to him, I believe. You know, a couple of years ago was just that us out there, the FOP and the cops banging our chest. Now people, it's starting to directly affect them and they're, and they're picking up on it. And I think it's time to uh, come to an end. John, how much is the reward right now up to? Is it 168500 still? Yeah, well, we're a little over 172, I believe. That's fantastic. So, and, uh, you know, like I said, bring these dirt balls in today uh, and, and you're paid. I'll go back to work tonight and make sure that you get a check. Listen, buddy, you're a good man. Uh, I've, I've said for a long time, you know, there's a special kind of cop in Philadelphia. I think it's the finest department in the country. I've said that for a very long time. Um, uh, my heart is broken. Our hearts are broken. And I'm glad your leadership is there for everybody during this and through this. And we're gonna, we got your back. We're going to fight for you. I was, glad the, I was glad to hear the interim commissioner say today the police need your support because I feel like that needs to be said and can't be said enough. He's a good guy. And listen, the only thing a good leader needs is followers. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, you're going to have 6,000 followers behind you. And we'll get this back in order. John McNesby, thank you, my friend. God bless. Thank you. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Well, you know, that's good. I think if, the, if um, Cheryl Parker becomes the mayor of Philadelphia, which is prop, What's that? Not if. Not if, when, when, let's be honest. Uh, I think she's going to keep this interim commissioner as commissioner, and that'll be a good thing. You can hear that from John McNesby. They'd be very, very happy if this guy stayed on as the commissioner. So that'd be a great thing. That'd be good. So we'll take that. Uh, okay, we got other stuff to talk about today. And uh, <clears throat> let's, let's talk about what Kamala Harris eats for breakfast every day, shall we? Because... <laughs> You know, listen, here's the deal. If the puppet, when the puppet falls asleep at night after eating his pudding, Kamala Harris is still not in charge, thank God. But by the way, gorgeous sunset behind us. Look at that. Isn't that nice? Joe, is this when you start to sundown about now, Mr. President? Start to sundowning right about now? Yes, it is, right? Uh, Kamala Harris eats this for breakfast, cut number five. I will tell you, I eat no for breakfast. (laughs) I don't hear no. (laughs) And I encourage you not to hear it. Has she been drug tested, Mr. President? (laughs) Have you ever had her drug tested? Yes. Uh, She also said uh, it's a false choice to care about reducing the, well, take a listen, cut six. The other point I will make here is it is a false choice to say that we either care about reducing the climate crisis or the economy. We can do both, and we're proving we can. Have you had her drug tested, Mr. President? Uh, Then she said, whenever I'm facing, you know, something, I do this. Anyone want to guess what she uses as her coping mechanism? Pot. Pot, yes. What else? (laughs) Who said Venn diagrams? Who said it? Who said it? You said it? Who else? All right. 
Peter McKeon from Highlight Electric, one of our most generous sponsors for the Travis Mannion Foundation. What's up, buddy? How are you? Did you bring your grandson today? Oh, good. All right. Excellent. We got some incredible people here. Uh, it's it's always, uh, always wonderful to see everybody. Uh, well, let's see if they're right. If they said that, let's see. Cut number seven. So... I'll tell you one of the things about me. So I'm kind of a nerd on certain levels about certain things. So here's one reveal. I love Venn diagrams. <laughs> I love Venn diagrams. I'm telling you, whenever I'm facing like a conflict and I need to sort it out, give me a Venn diagram every day of the week, right? Mr. President, have you had her tested for drugs? Guys, what's with, what's with that cackle that she does? That, that hideous cackle. It sounds like the Joker, doesn't it? <laughs> I love Venn diagrams. Wow. All right. Uh, that could be the president of the United States. Now, my guess is that Joe Biden will not be the nominee in 2024. My guess is, and I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that it's probably going to be one of two people. Gavin Newsom with his glorious hair. Have you seen that man's hair? It's gorgeous. You know the carbon footprint of that hair, how much (laughs) product he puts in that hair? I know for a fact that every dead whale that washes up on the shore, they take the oil. They used to use that for lamps in the old days. They now use it for Gavin Newsom's head, for the hair. No joke. That's no joke, folks. Uh, And then I hope somebody's going to get a picture of me with the puppet. What do you think? Anyone? No, nobody wants to see it. Um, or Michelle Obama. I didn't say I liked it. Don't, don't yell at me. Like you're yelling at me like I'm endorsing her or something. But I'm getting very, very worried because Barack Obama is pulling the strings here. I'm getting very, very worried that this is what's going to happen. Is that, is that fair enough? Who pulls the shots? Does Bernie Sanders call the... Joe, we've told you before. You are not socialist enough. Also, change it depends. You stink. You stink. And uh, Megaphone Bernie would like to ask Caitlin if there are any single bridesmaids here today that she could bring up who might need a date. After this, we're going to crash the wedding and then we're going streaking. Uh, All right. Well, so, I mean, this is the problem that Democrats have right now. They've got a major, major problem with the president who fell down again today or fell up the stairs. I should say today they fell up. He fell up the stairs. So it's an issue. No question about it. It's absolutely an issue. And I think that a change is coming. Oh, that's a fantastic picture. That's great. We got some good ones. All right. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, I got one more Zioli army. I got two more Zioli army hats. All right. Now, did you get one before? Fish club lady. (laughs) Did you get one before for your hottie friends at the Marlin and tuna? Bernie loves tuna fish. You got one? Good. How about you, the hottie next to the owner of the hotel, Caitlin? Did you need one? Do you need one? All right. I think, think, well, you definitely should get one. You're the boss. Come on. Here we go. Let's catch. Ready? Here we go. Let's do it. Caitlin, everybody, if you need an event, oh, I missed. Damn it. 
See, I have no game. If you need an event, seriously, at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, Caitlin is who you talk to. Weddings, banquets, corporate events, and uh, they just do a great job here. They, that's a very bald head, sir. You're right. It could use a hat. <laughs> that is a very bald head. We should cover it with a hat. All right, fair enough. You won. You win. You, we're going to exploit the bald. Exploit the bald. There you go. All right. Very good. Well done. You're welcome. Um, Seriously, the Grand Hotel of Cape May, I love this place. It is my happy place. And as you know, uh, like I've said before, they have a lot of weddings here. In fact, recently, Caitlin sent me a note and said that uh, the father of the bride, a proud member of the Zioli Army. So if you ever need an event here, four ballrooms to serve you, family events, uh, corporate events, baby showers, bridal showers, you name it, Caitlin is who you talk to. So thank you, Caitlin, for your hospitality and your generosity. We appreciate it very, very much. If you'd like to become a member of the Cape May Marlin and Tuna Club, I have to let you know that membership is now closed. I am the last man in, as they say. And it was a very tough application process. And I had to reach deep into my savings account for that $310. And no, I don't fish. (laughs) Nor will I ever fish. But they are having a banquet here at the Grand Hotel coming up very, very soon, right? We're excited about that. All right, we're having a lot of fun, but we are so grateful that you came out and joined us tonight. Uh, The situation in Israel is continuing to get very, very hostile. Uh, The United States of America, with its schizophrenic foreign policy regarding Iran, is something that I need to discuss with you as well. Plus, in addition to all of that... We have to talk about what the president announced today in Philadelphia. Uh, Money for clean energy, in air quotes. What does that mean? How will it affect everybody else? And what what does it also mean that um, Jim Jordan now is gaining votes? Will he be the next speaker of the House of Representatives? Absolutely. All of that for you is still to come. But listen, I've been telling you for a very long time about a great guy, a great friend of the show, and that is my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Now, when it comes to dental care, you have to understand there are a lot of these corporations out there, these big chain dental offices, don't go to them. Dr. Mike Venaria is the master of dental implants for a reason. Very complicated dental implants. Mama Zioli first discovered him years ago. When it comes to a new smile, you want a man who's going to take this very seriously and make sure you get the smile of your dreams. A Hollywood smile, but not at the Hollywood prices. That's what separates Dr. Mike Venaria from all the rest. And that's why for 10 years in a row, he has been voted best dentist in New Jersey by his colleagues. But he's worth the drive from wherever you come from, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, and yes, like Mama Zioli from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Wherever you are, Dr. Mike Venaria is worth it. So reach out to him today. Call his office for a free dental implant consultation by going to VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. And I want to invite all of you to his Veterans Breakfast on Veterans Day, Saturday, November 11th. It's also Patrick Zioli's birthday. He's turning nine. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. We will salute our veterans. We will have a complimentary breakfast. Dr. Mike Venaria does this every year because he loves this country and he wants to salute our veterans. That is going to be on Saturday, November 11th at his Cinnamonson office. It's also a free community shredding event. So you can bring your documents that you want to get shredded, any of those uh, things that you don't want to get into the wrong hands. 
and do that. Mark your calendar, Saturday, November 11th. And when you need a smile, a beautiful smile with those complicated dental implants, periodontal, perio, I can't say the word, Melissa, you told me to say it, but periodontal, now I sound like Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I'm just going to use the head from, for the rest of the show today. <laughs> Reach out to Dr. Venaria, all right? VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. He is my buddy, he's my friend, and he is the master of dental implants. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. We got a speakership update. Jim Jordan is gaining ground. After being defeated by Jim Jordan, Austin Scott has called on his Republican colleagues to unite behind the Ohio congressman. Hey, settle down. Zip it. Thank you. On Twitter, he wrote, I highly respect Jim Jordan. He is an asset to the Republican Party. Our conference has spoken, and now we must unite behind Jordan so we can get Congress back to work. Ron DeSantis just endorsed Jim Jordan. I think Jordan's going to get this. I feel really good about this right now. That's the update. Here's the other update. Tomorrow morning's going to hurt. I just got this bottle of... um, Chef Mills, who is the executive chef at Hemingway's Restaurant, which I have to tell you, honestly, if you've not eaten there, you're missing out. The food is delicious. Freshest steaks, seafood. We were here over the summer at the Grand Hotel, and Bridget and I were at the pool, and you could see the seafood trucks pull up. They bring out the fresh fish. They catch it right by the lobster house down there, right right down there. The boats come in. No, for real. And no joke, folks. And the same with the steaks. It's all fresh. And Chef Mills is a great guy, so he gave me a bottle of... This is 2XO whiskey. This is... Two Times Oak by David Dedman, American Oak, Oak, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So tomorrow morning is going to hurt, but this is available at Hemingway's Restaurant for you if you would like to experience it. Uh, and it's a great place, so we're very, very grateful. He even got me rocks. He knows I like ice. So call it a day? Give it to Levin early or what? Nope, can't do that. All right, we'll keep going. <laughs> Thought I could kick it over the great one uh, a little bit early tonight. Uh, I, I, the truth of the matter is, and again, I, I've said this, and I, I think it's really important to note, the speaker race at this point is coming down to a question of are the, I don't want to say they're moderate Republicans. I don't think moderate is a correct term. I, I'm, I'm tired of uh, the far right being some sort of a slander. I, I, don't, I don't view these Republicans as moderates. I, I think these Republicans are, they are the uniparty. They are the party of war. They are the party of spending. They are the party, these are people who are Democrats in their hearts, but they come from Republican districts. They, they are the swamp. Look, a long time ago, I realized something about the way that congressional districts are drawn. Depending on where you live depends on your party affiliation if you want to be a politician. Here's what I mean by that. Say you're a Democrat, but you want to run for Congress. You want to be a congressman. But you can't win in that district as a Democrat, so you run as a Republican. And then you get there and you go, I'm going to be a different kind of Republican. And you're, you're a Democrat. You got it. You're a Democrat. You just ran as a Republican to win in that district. And that's the problem. And we got a lot of those Republicans who are there. 
And it's a major problem. And the thing about being in the House of Representatives, which infuriates me, is that the way that these districts are drawn, there's only maybe, what, 10 that are really competitive in the country? Maybe 10, maybe 12. The rest of them, the minute you get in there, your, your first fight is the hardest fight, and that's your re-election fight. If you can survive the re-election fight, you can survive, and you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're going to make it just fine. And then you're there for life. And these bums need term limits. We need term limits. We have to change the system. Nobody is entitled to a job for life. Let's see now. We got a, an update here. President Joe Biden just made a clean energy announcement in Philadelphia. He's now going to have, oh, hydrogen. That's not a bad idea, actually. H hydrogen power. Okay. I'm amazed. Wow. All right. A hydrogen hub. That, that could be a good thing. I will talk more about that. Thank you very much, Tommy, for that. I appreciate it. Uh, term limits, the argument against them is, well, let the voters decide. But the voters don't have a say because of the, how the districts are drawn. The power of incumbency is, is, is so strong that you, you really can't be defeated unless there's something in the, that's an anomaly. You know, the wave after Watergate, for example, the Republican Revolution of 94, there are anomalies in politics, but for the most part, things don't change. That's why the red wave was never really going to be a red wave, because of a law known as douche, douche bet. What's the, what's the <laughs> law? You're getting real close to that dump button. Yeah. Uh, it's Duverger's Law. Duverger's Law. <laughs> said by a Harvard Duverger. <laughs> which is that in any political system such as ours, you're going to have two political parties. And the problem is that if you are going to go after somebody who's an existing member of Congress and you're going to defeat them, like let's take New Jersey's First, uh, second, uh, third congressional district as an example. This is the district that's held by Andy Kim. Prior to that, it was a couple of Republicans along the way who realized they had to, you know, kind of moderate to, to be able to win. Tom MacArthur, though, I thought was a very good conservative, of course. The problem, though, is that as they changed the district map, they added a couple towns on the eastern part of the state, and Burlington County changed a little bit, so suddenly the district became a Democrat district. Andy Kim won after a vicious primary fight. Now he's going to be there for as long as he wants to be. The only way he loses is if somebody outflanks him to the left and beats him in a primary. And this is the other problem that we have right now, which is that the Democrat Party in this country right now is the most extreme they have ever been since the post-Civil War. You have to remember something about the Democrat Party, and if you have not read Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, I encourage you to do it. There have been periods of time throughout the, this country's history where the Democrat Party has been exceptionally radical. It started during the Confederate States of America when the Democrat Party was willing to destroy the republic to keep slavery. Think about that. The Democrat Party was willing to destroy the republic to keep slavery. Then, the Democrat Party formed their militant wing known as the Ku Klux Klan. The Democrat Party passed a series of laws known as Jim Crow laws. When, when black people used to go into places of uh, business and they were told you had to sit in the back or you couldn't come in, those were not private market decisions, despite the way the corporate media and history professors try to spin it today. Those were government laws where the Board of Health or whatever the government entity would come in and shut you down if a black person was sitting with a white person. This is what the Democrats did to this country. And then the Democrats did something so incredibly radical, it was almost hard to fathom. 
Woodrow Wilson becomes president, the worst president ever, a racist and anti-Semite. He resegregates the American military, which had been desegregated, of course, during the Civil War. Woodrow Wilson then proceeds to radically expand the executive branch of government and introduce the progressive movement to America. This is not the Teddy Roosevelt progressivism. It's different. It's, more, it, it's socialism. But socialism had a bad rap in Europe, so they called themselves progressives. Then you kick the ball over to the hero of the left, the godfather of leftism, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Now, you can applaud Roosevelt's actions in World War II, although I find it problematic that he knew where the concentration camps were and refused to bomb those railroad tracks. I find that very problematic that he turned away boatloads of Jews when he knew that they were being sent to camps. Somehow, though, he's a hero to the left. And the reason why he's a hero to the left is because they're willing to ignore all that because Franklin Delano Roosevelt proceeded to create the executive branch of government we have today with all these three-letter, four-letter agencies that run our lives and have decided that they will make the rules and the laws. Then, of course, you get to Lyndon Johnson, you get to Barack Obama, and you get to this idiot we have in the White House today. There is a movement right now in this country to restore the power of the executive branch of government away from the bureaucrats and back to the president. Now, the New York Times will interpret that as the following. <clears throat> Donald Trump wants to radically transform the presidency and increase the power of the presidency. Here's the interpretation. He wants to take it away from unelected bureaucrats who believe that they make policy because they work at the EPA or they work at NOAA or they work at any of the other three-letter agencies in this country. The movement that's underfoot, and Jim Jordan's a big part of this. Hey, zip it! <laughs> Jim Jordan's a big part of this right now is to say that the executive branch of government cannot operate on its own. Rules do not have the power of law. Congress passes laws, not the executive branch. And so bureaucrats in these agencies can't go around, for example, and say, you have to have a guy on your boat when you're catching, what is, what's the freaking fish? Herring? It's herring, right? Air. Uh, in the case, the, the, um, the, the case before the Supreme Court. I don't remember. Oh, honestly. come on. We talk about the Chevron deference doctrine all the time. How do you get into Harvard these days? I don't understand this. I never wrote any reports. What did you on need? A crayon to get deference. in? Right. <laughs> so these guys, are, they fish for herring. We, do, do we catch herring at the Cape May Marlin and we don't? How about the Cape May Marlin Tuna Herring and Catfish Club? You like that? Uh, so these guys are out there, they're catching herring, and then the federal government says, um, hey, Nice herring boat you got over there. We need you to have a herring monitor on your boat. A what? Yeah, a guy's got to monitor your fish. Oh, and by the way, you got to pay for it. And so these fishermen turn around and go, what, what are you talking about? They said, yeah, we need you to have a federal monitor on your boat to make sure you're not overfishing, and you have to pay for it. That case is right now going before the United States Supreme Court. Have you heard of that, Matt DeSantis? Uh, the Supreme Court? Yes. yes. Oh, good. Just check Familiar it. with it. The bar is low these days in hiring. Am I right, Tommy? Um, <laughs> at the heart of the Chevron deference doctrine is this question of can the executive branch really, and I'll sum it up for you in this way, can just do whatever the hell it wants. 
Can't just start telling, making up rules and laws out of thin air. That is at the heart of this question. And years ago, Congress uh, said, we'll pass laws and then the executive branch will then go ahead and enforce them. And somewhere along the way, there was a very, very famous case in the 1980s where the Reagan administration turned around and said, we don't believe, as the executive branch of government, we should be enforcing the law in this manner the way that these bureaucrats want it to be enforced. In other words, we should get to interpret whether or not our enforcement power is, is consistent with congressional law. At the time, the Reagan administration was spot on with this analysis. Look at it like this. Right? Let's say, for example, the um, law in question was the Clean Air Act. And as part of that, um, bureaucrats turned around and said, you can't throw hats at chandeliers because you might re uh, release gas into the air and kill everybody. Therefore, anyone who throws a hat gets a $25,000 fine. And then the administration turns around and goes, we're not going to enforce that. The Congress didn't pass that law. Reagan was right to challenge it. Here's the problem. The Supreme Court sided with them in the original Chevron and said, you're right. The executive branch really does have deference when it comes to deciding laws and how they're enforced. But like anything else, the minute the Democrats got in power, they said, so you mean we can make new laws from the executive branch of government? And that's exactly what they proceeded to do. And so what they started to do then was to radically expand these departments. So let's take the whales, for example, shall we? Let's take our friends from the Guardians of the East Coast, who are trying, Patrick J., trying to fight to save the whales. So the National Oceanographic and uh, uh, NOAA, right, thank you, NOAA, they are out there lying and saying that there's no evidence that the wind turbines are killing the whales and dolphins. They're, they're lying. They're perpetuating this lie, as is the Environmental Protection Agency. And the reason for this is bureaucrats of these agencies are emboldened and empowered to turn around and say, we get to make the laws. And if Congress doesn't like it, Congress has to pass a law to overturn it. In other words, let me ask you this. How many of your congressmen or senators voted for the hundreds of wind turbines that are about to be up and down the New Jersey shore? Zero. Not one. And they never had to. And that's also by design. So what Jim Jordan is trying to do, and another reason why the Uniparty wants to stop him is because Jim Jordan is saying that we need to restore this balance between the legislative branch of government and the executive branch of government. This is a very big threat to the Uniparty. And the reason why is because most of these people are very, they're very untalented people. They're not that smart. Take John Fetterman as an example. <laughs> they go to Washington to serve a few terms, and then their plan is they're going to leave, and they're going to make lots and lots of money as a lobbyist or a lawyer for an interest group. And as long as they play nice... They'll get nice, big, fat, lucrative contracts, whether it's big pharma, the defense industrial industry, or it's um, the Orsted Wind Company, the Danish conglomerate that is behind these wind turbines. So you play nice. You serve your terms in Congress, and you then end up a millionaire. This is a threat to the Uniparty. And it's the same reason why they don't want to stop Ukraine funding. It's the same reason why they don't want to go up against big pharma. The same reason why they don't want to go up against big energy, big green energy, I should say, for all these various reasons. It's money. These people want to make money. And Jim Jordan's a threat to them. Kevin McCarthy was not. Kevin McCarthy was willing to play the game. Paul Ryan was willing to play the game. John Boehner was willing to play the game. 
Steve Scalise, sadly, as much as I admire the guy, would have played the game. Jordan's not going to play that game. That's why they want to stop. Trump doesn't want to play that game either. And he's not going to. And this time around, it's personal for him because this time around, he saw what the executive branch can do to a president. And he knows the battle that is underway. I can't read that because it's too freaking dark in here because they can't afford to pay. <laughs> is my 50, use code Zioli and save 15% off your stays at the Grand Hotel. I guess it's so successful that the PSE&G bill or couldn't be uh, Windmill Atlantic. Windmill Atlantic. Do I have a live read here? What do I got to do here? Done with live read. Am I done? Yeah. All right, good. So I'll just say this. We're live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. Use promo code Zioli to save 15% off your midweek stays. We're so glad you're here. We're having a great time. I'm going to stay and take pictures. We're going to have a, a fun night. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I tell you, you know you've arrived in life when a woman walks over and hands you her uh, a hotel key. <laughs> and I, for a minute, I felt like a rock star. Except that it was my friend Melissa, and she said, here, your wife said, take that. And she's leaving with her friends. So my wife left my own show to go with her friends and was like, here's your room key. See you later. So I went from feeling like a rock star, being like, wow, women are throwing me hotel keys? <laughs> to feeling like my own wife doesn't even want to listen to my show for four hours. She's like, enough of that guy. All right, we are live at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. We're having a blast. I'll tell you what. This is by far the best crowd we've had all year in terms of size, energy, positivity. It's a big help, by the way, that Chris did not come, right? The Bachelor Chris. <laughs> Just kidding, Chris. We miss you. But it looked like Road Warrior was here. Road Warrior was here for a few seconds, and I think he put a, a fatwa on my head and he left. Oh, did he? Yeah, maybe it's too soon to make that joke. But he was here for a while, and then he gave us a dirty look and he left. Uh, I'd never even met the guy before. Uh, you don't want to. It's he usually scary. torments me online. It's terrifying. Uh, oh, there he is. What's up, Road Warrior? Oh, there he is. He's right back there with his beautiful wife, who also he uh, outkicked his coverage. <laughs> Thank you for coming, guys. It's good to see you. All right, now he's mad at me again. You see, he gets mad, very mad. <laughs> Goes back and forth. The Zioli Army, they're very nice to me, and then they turn on me very quickly. You see how that works on social media? All right, do we cover a lot of ground today? Do we miss anything is the question. Do we miss anything? Are you asking me? Yeah, I think we got it all, right? Oh, we do have a dad. Yeah, there's one thing left. What did you want, to, what did you want me to get to, Matt DeSantis? I wanted to get to this story about an Arizona father who um, spoke at a school board meeting recently. Uh, he took a stand against the dress code rules, and uh, <laughs> it's more of a visual, honestly, than than audio. But here's here's the report. So basically, he had uh, some sort of like what is it a halter top, like a, yeah. a bra or something, and uh, and Daisy tubes, tubes, and that's how he spoke to the school board. It's it's pretty entertaining. Tube top, a, tu- a tube, tube top, top with spaghetti straps, and then he rolled his pants. down. Roll his pants down, and this is how he addressed the school board. This is excellent. Oh, good. Oh. For a board meeting. 
You might be wondering, why is a parent wearing this to a school board meeting? I really had to make a statement. This is Ira Latham, a Gilbert father with four kids in the Higley Unified School District. These are my babies. These are my kids. I'm concerned about them. In May, the district started dress code discussions, looking to update the policy, which hadn't been changed since 2001. This is a very polarizing and controversial subject. Board members split on the issue, some advocating for a new, looser dress code policy, eliminating restrictions, allowing for exposed midriff and spaghetti straps and halter tops, <laughs> saying the existing policies disproportionately target female students. We're saying that they need to cover up because of the way it might make someone else feel, and that is wrong. Others advocating for a more modest dress code. If we are prepping our children to be college and career ready, then they need to learn to be able to have self-respect. The proposed policy also catching the attention of parents like Latham. My concerns were about preparing students for entering the workforce, setting the right expectations, having respect for other students in the classroom. After speaking out at a prior meeting, Latham opted for a different strategy last month. Under the proposed policy, this would be appropriate in a classroom. Latham stripping down to a crop top with spaghetti straps <laughs> and very short shorts. The dress code that they wanted to get to is just basically a dress code for a public pool. Make sure that kids cover their underwear and that's about it. But despite Latham's demonstration, the board <laughs> not skirting the issue. In a three to two vote, they approved the new, more lenient policy. It's going to be harder for the teachers to have to deal with this new new policy. It's going to be more distracting in the classroom and it's going to have some, te- some parents that want to get pull their kids out of the districts. Wow, that's some good stuff right there. Uh, and by the way, that guy has had more roles in Ponzio's, I believe. Is um... <laughs> I want to mention, you know, my buddy Dean Filari is here from the South Jersey FOP Lodge 56. Uh, these guys do also do great work. You know, when an officer dies, killed in the line of duty, every cop's affected and all the FOP lodges, the PBAs, they come together. Uh, they make a big presence at the funeral. They help the families. They help the fallen. There's Cigar Nights coming up next week, and I'll be there. And if you would like to join us, it is going to be on Saturday, October 21st. Uh, See Dean over there or go to their website at njfop56.com. It'll be cigars. You can wear a tube top, uh, spaghetti straps, (laughs) meet some cops. Maybe you'll get lucky and get a PBA card or an FOP card. I'm just saying. An FOP, not PBA. It's different. Two different unions, but they all come together. That's the point. Um, on a serious note, obviously, you know, we lost a Philadelphia police officer. It's a heartbreaking day. And we still have one who's in the hospital. And hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to go home to his family. But I can't stress to you enough, this is, it's never been a tougher time, in my opinion, to be a police officer in this country because of these prosecutors around the country. I say prosecutors in air quotes, these defense attorneys who call themselves district attorneys who go after cops and not criminals. And I thought the interim commissioner's words today were very profound when he said, we have to, this is about convicting people and we need to convict criminals and they need to be afraid of being convicted. And some people need to do time. They need to go to prison and that's what needs to happen. And he's exactly right when he said that. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now that the, the, when John McNesby said today that people are, 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 are realizing now what Krasner's up to, and I think the reason why is because of conservative talk radio in a big way. And here's what I mean by this. The corporate media is afraid to talk about what George Soros is doing to this country. 
They're afraid to talk about what Barack Obama is doing to the world with his support of Iran. They're afraid to talk about what the Democrats are doing to this country with the invasion at the southern border. They're afraid to talk about all these things because they call them corporate media because they're owned by these big corporations who are all afraid of their shadows. And they make stupid decisions as corporations, like making Dylan Mulvaney their spokesperson. They lose a lot of money, and they don't realize that, hey, maybe America is not with you and your woke agenda. They don't learn from that. And the reason why they don't learn is because they keep hiring these woke college kids from Ivy League institutions. Matt DeSantis is the exception. (laughs) He really is. And uh, they infiltrate the boardroom like viruses, and they tell them that this is how America thinks. And conservative radio has been pushing back on these George Soros-funded prosecutors for years. I have been, we have been, and will continue to do so. And much like how Hamas is a terrorist organization that wants to wipe out the following three groups, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, who they believe are not living according to their interpretation of Islam— These are not people you reason with. These are bad, evil people, period. Despite what your woke college daughter or son thinks, despite what the campus group thinks with their uh, rainbow unicorns, these groups will kill them first to send a, a message, send a message. So... Remember the power of talk radio, because we are, we are making a difference, and that's a good, good thing. But I want to thank the Grand Hotel of Cape May for hosting us today. What a fabulous day. Bob, Caitlin, Michael, Chef Mills, the whole team. Great job. I really appreciate it. Later, I'll be going to my other happy place, the Cape May Marlin Tuna Herring and Catfish Club. Please see me if you'd like to join. Can talk about it with you. After the show, let's take some pictures. I really appreciate you coming. God bless you. I feel so blessed to be able to do this every day of my life. I feel like the luckiest man in the world. And that's because of you. Thank you to the Zioli Army. Thank you for coming out today. Go Phils. Go, go Eagles on Sunday. And God bless the Philadelphia Police Department. Have a great night. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 